This is Free Talk Live. It is a live Saturday edition. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. We're going to put you want. Uh, joining you tonight, it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And uh, also, sitting in the studio with us is a guest. It's very rare that we actually have guests in the studio. The last time we had a guest in the studio was uh, Lauren Canario, mm-hmm. one of my personal heroes. And I would say that Russell Canning is one of my other personal heroes, and he's actually sitting here with us. Hello, Russell. How are you? Hey there. Good to have you with us tonight. Nice to see you out of jail. I'm in the palatial studios here. I'm looking <laughs> out in uh, Keene, New Hampshire, which is brand new, fresh spring. It's, new it flowers. certainly is pretty out there. <laughs> it's amazing. I, I Being from Florida, I, I never really cared about seasons or anything like we that. We never had it. Uh, up here in uh, the New England area, it's amazing. The animals are alive, and and when you go out in the morning time, the birds are chirping and the chipmunks run around. It's It's amazing stuff. Right. I mean, I guess the people that live up north, they take this stuff for granted, and they're hearing you say that they're hearing you say something like that, and they just—it's not exciting for them. Yeah, right. They've lived up north for their silly whole lives. Florida boy thinks the chipmunks are neat. <laughs> you know, I think they're silly when they go and watch the dolphins either. Just yeah. Like, oh, beaches. <laughs> you know, well, we we take those for granted down in Florida. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, by the way, join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, and that's the way a good talk show website should be. So enjoy those. They're on us. Now, the reason I've got you in the studio tonight, Russell, is because recently you were released from jail here in Keene, New Hampshire. And the reason that you were put in jail is because the government people didn't really like the fact that you were driving your your uh, your van without a government license, as I understand it. Yeah, it's uh, we have uh, me and the government have a disagreement. I don't think I need permission to drive down the street. They do. Uh, since they have handcuffs and guns, I ended up in jail because <laughs> I always lose my arguments with the government. <laughs> now, is this a situation where you don't have a driver's license or you don't have a license plate? Uh, in this case, uh, it was because I don't have a driver's license. It was cut up by a Nazi a couple years ago. Good heavens. Now, let's flash back a little bit because... It's not as though you're a bad driver. It's not as though that you don't know how to drive. You're a fine driver. In fact, you used to be a professional driver, as I understand it. Yeah, for a little while. Like yeah. driving 18-wheelers across the country. <laughs> yeah. You don't get to drive an 18-wheeler across the country unless you know how to drive. So the fact is you are a, a trained professional driver. Why should you have to go and, and bow down, essentially, to the state in order to get their little permission slip? Yeah, and I've gone uh, quite a few years without having a license, and mostly I've been okay because I don't get pulled over. I haven't pulled, been pulled over in years. Now, so. why were you pulled over in this particular case? Oh, because I didn't have a... Uh, one of my headlights went out. They're good at that sort of thing. So they a guy flipped a Huey and saw that, you know, oh, no, we got a guy without a headlight. And then he so, checked, and you didn't have a license, and it was at that point that you were arrested for the first time. Yeah, they, he didn't care about the light anymore once he found out that <laughs> I didn't have a license. He, he freaked out and didn't know what to do. Now, at, now, the, now the police in here in the Keene area, they didn't really know who you were at that time. Like, they hadn't heard of Russell Canning, even though they'd arrested you before for something else. Or you, no, no, you'd been no. arrested by the federal guys, yeah, but you were a... processed at the Keene Jail. Yeah, so some of those guys know me because of the Keene Free Press, and I've been in there, so I knew the lieutenant and stuff like that. But the guy that pulled me over had never seen me before. Uh, you mentioned the Keene Free Press. That's your um, this is the newspaper that you publish and edit along with your wife Kat, and yeah. uh, it is a pro-liberty 
sort of viewpoint newspaper that's here in the Keene area, and it's it's awesome. It's monthly. It's a monthly newspaper, and you guys do a, a tremendous job with that. Um, I highly recommend people go to their website, keenfreepress.com. Lots of good content there. And so you were arrested that night, processed through the system, and they let you out. Oh, and after five minutes of holding me. Right. And what was funny is they dragged me down there because they asked me some questions out on the street. And uh, then when I went into the jail, they basically asked me the same questions again. (laughs) And then they let me go without any bail or anything like that not officially knowing who I was. Because you are someone... <laughs> I mean, you told them your name, I take it? My name, but I could have been could making have been that anybody. up. Right, because you didn't, have a, you didn't have a license. And they didn't fingerprint me. And you are somebody, and this is something I definitely want to get into, and of course, if you've got questions for Russell Canning, 800-259-9231. One of the things I find most interesting, beyond just your, your general life viewpoint and how you interact with the government, we'll get to that, but when you're arrested... And you're put into their jail, and they they're asking you to sign pieces of paper that say whatever on them. I don't I don't know what pieces of paper they put in front of you. I know bail is one of them. You don't sign them, do you? No, not normally. Depending on I mean, depends on what the thing is that they want me to sign. Like if I'm agreeing to do something that I don't want to do, well then I just won't sign. Right, because as I understand it, a lot in a, in many cases, probably in all of them, but in many cases, a bail the bail paperwork will have terms on it. That basically says you must do this, this, yeah. and this. You have to agree to follow all of our laws if you sign this. You know, if you sign this piece of paper, and the idea is that they're they're trying to tempt you with getting out of jail sooner, so you'll agree to all their little statements. Yeah, you're promising you'll show up, and I don't want to promise to do that. Now uh, that brings me to the uh, question: Why is it that you choose not to get a driver's license and have a license plate on the uh, back of your vehicle? Oh, well, because you know I'm a slave if I ask their permission. <laughs> so it's, you know, if, you know, are we going to live free? Are we going to be able to drive down the road without asking their permission? You know, well, it, oh, is, uh, it's sort of their road. I mean, does that mean that you should be licensed? Well, by them? Sue, who, who's who decided it was their road? They well, did. They, <laughs> they demanded the money. I, um, you know, it's it's kind of like, you know, say you're a slave and you want to leave. Everywhere you go, you don't own that place. Mm hmm. Am I free to leave the res- you know leave the plantation that's it kind of you know for me that's one of the ways I picture it well it's you know? not as though that it's not as though Russell isn't paying for the roads mm-hmm. he's going and buying gasoline like everybody else is, and you know that's a that's a tax that you really can't avoid if you want to engage in driving yeah uh, so in some ways you can see, say that I pay for the roads depending right. on how you look at it yeah. it's just that there's uh, the question would be. How was an obligation created upon you to jump through uh, all of these government hoops that they put mm-hmm. on? Yeah, when well, did you consent yeah, to when I, that? When I got arrested the second time, the lieutenant wants, they like to uh, say that what they're doing is reasonable. And so he starts talking about, well, you have the freedom to travel, Mr. Canning. You could walk. <laughs> well, that's really convenient, because <laughs> what if I want to go a long ways? And I had that, too, when you try to fly without ID or things like that. People mm-hmm. say, well, you could take a bus. Well, what if I don't want to take a bus? Or, 
What really if the freedom. bus doesn't go to the place I want to go to? The fact is, you know, you aren't harming anybody by doing what you're doing. You're Nobody getting your called van. and complained that I was hurting anybody. Right, you weren't driving. Me. You weren't <laughs> driving recklessly. You aren't putting anyone in danger. You're not a. You're not a threat to anybody. And there's no. There's no complaining party in the case of the government bringing charges against you. There's. There's yeah. no individual or family or whatever who's been harmed by you. In fact, I'm curious. I know that in New Hampshire they don't require. Uh, insurance on your on your vehicle, but mm-hmm. do you have it? Oh yeah, because it works it works well for us. Right, I I think insurance is a sensible idea. I just didn't know that insurance companies would actually give you insurance if you weren't a licensed driver. Well, they didn't give it to me. Oh, I'm I didn't I didn't ask them. Got it. So it's like your wife now. That has it? Actually, in New Hampshire, I don't even know if they care. Maybe who not. You are because say like a company. You can buy insurance for your various vehicles. They don't know every single person that might drive that Who's vehicle. Driving. Yeah, you know what I mean. I know that when I uh, when I know that uh, when I moved up here from Florida, I was able to get insurance without having a New Hampshire driver's license at all. Yeah, they so. don't. It's it's you know things are less in some ways it's, things are less complicated than people make them out. They're used to following all the rules, and once you stop following them, a lot of them don't exist. Now, um, ab- about following the rules, um, so if, if, you don't, uh, if you feel you don't have to have a license, then you feel that other people don't have to have a license, I would assume. Yeah, why would I want to make other people have a license? Now, um, but I guess uh, probably the, the, the first concern that comes up for me with people not having licenses is if the government doesn't give out a driver's license, then they can't take one away. And like in the instance of somebody who uh, habitually drinks and drives, they can't revoke their license. Or um, so well, we've seen plenty of examples of people who have had their old. license revoked and they drive anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, a drunken driver, if they want to get in dr- get in their car and drive, they're going to do that, whether or not they've got the permit. We'll come back with more. Russell's going to be here for probably the rest of the hour. If you've got calls, 800-259-9231. If you've got questions, rather, 1-800-259-9231. You can talk to Russell Canning. He's here with us, and this is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up what you want, though hopefully uh, you'll have a question for Russell Canning because he's sitting here as a guest in the studio with us. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com where all the features are completely free, uh, and that does include the archives. An entire year's worth of the show right there on the front page of the website for your downloading convenience. You just go and get them. They're free. freetalklive.com and the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival, better known as Porkfest, is June 18th through the 24th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to attend leadership and activist training seminars and hear and discuss the progress in the future of the Free State Project. So register today at porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T.com. In fact, I think, Russell, last year you were at Porkfest and you gave um, one of those seminars, one of those activist training seminars. Yeah, we'll be doing similar stuff this year. They'll have we got so many speeches this year, I think we're going to be, like, overlapping each other. There's too many things going on. That's exciting. But you have a week. <laughs> well, well, yeah, on Saturday and Sunday, it gets a little crazy. Yeah, <laughs> they sort of build every... If you look at the schedule at porkfest.com, they sort of build everything into the last... I mean, it's all pretty much on Saturday as far as all the seminars and that sort of thing. There's a little bit on Sunday and a few things on Friday. But most of the week-long things are more activity-based mm-hmm. stuff. So, you know, you go out shooting or you go on a hiking trip or you go on a, a bus tour of the state. So there's more sort of activity things during the week. And just a lot. I think there's just a lot of just hanging out at the campground And, camp and heavy well. drinking. 
that too. Uh, <laughs> it is so camping after all. <laughs> it should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Porkfest.com. Now, again, we're talking with Russell. Got, got you in the studio tonight because you were recently in jail. And uh, you were in jail because you were pulled over one night for having a, a burnout headlight, which I think you actually were aware of, but it was too late for you to go and actually do anything about it. Yeah, because... The stores were closed. It went out, and yeah, it was 9 o'clock, and in Sleepy Keen, there's no place open at 9 o'clock, so... Well, you know, if the damn zoning board would go away, we could have a super Walmart. Yeah, but... and it'd be open 24 hours a day for my uh, buying pleasure. But, you know, the problem is I would have had to driven to Walmart. You know, that would have been like a whole mile, and I yeah. might have gotten pulled over. So they pulled you over for having the light burn out, and then they found out that you didn't have a driver's license, so they arrested you, processed you through the, the jail. You didn't sign No, no, anything. I never went to the jail. I oh, just really? in the Keene Police. Uh, that night, I was only in the Keene Police, oh, the police department, department for five minutes, and they let me go. I see. And I didn't have to promise to get back, to come back. But apparently they did want you to come uh, to court, and... I told them that night I wasn't going to show up. (laughs) (laughs) I guess they didn't pay too much attention to what you said, because they had a court date scheduled, uh, and you didn't show up, obviously, and so then they came to your house and then arrested you for not showing up in court. They laid in wait for me. Really? Yeah, they were out on Court Street waiting for me to come to the Keene Free Press meeting. So they knew what you were doing, they knew you were going to be leaving your house, and then they they pulled you over again? Yeah, and then they arrested. Then they arrested you again. Now you had a- additional charges thrown against you. And they weren't going to let me go without a little bit of more trouble. So this time they actually put you in jail because I wouldn't promise to show up in court. I could have left jail that night if I would have promised. Really? So they'd let you out on your own recognizance? Again? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's okay. That's they not felt a- like they were doing me a favor by doing that. The fact is, they could have been worse. I mean, I suppose it could, it could always be worse. Oh, yeah, they were. They, they felt like I was going to give in on that point, but I didn't. They certainly didn't do you a favor by interrupting your activities and interrupting your life yeah. um, and essentially stealing your uh, your time from you. But So then you were put in jail, and then there was a court hearing. Was it the next? Was it immediately yeah, the, next the next morning? Yeah, the next morning they make room, yeah. I'd like to point out that what we have going on here in New Hampshire is part of the Free State Project, these activists that are that are moving in here. We really do have the best activists that I've ever come across, maybe in the entire world. Uh, we've got some killer activists here. Uh, Kat, had, your wife, sent out an email that night, uh, or she sent, I think it was an email or either a post on the uh, nhfree.com forum. She posted and she alerted everybody to the fact that you'd been arrested and that you were going to be in court the next morning. So we're talking about, you know, a 12-hour window yeah. of time. And within that 12 hours, I think 9 to 10 people showed up that morning for your court trial. With free Russell Canning t-shirt. Yes, that's true. Everybody had a t-shirt on, and uh, and I managed to get in there with a video camera, which was pretty much unprecedented. Nobody really expected that to be able to happen. Yeah. And well, good for them. You um you you managed to keep the uh the, the free cus- Russell Canning t-shirt thing alive. I mean, people <laughs> need them every now and then. Yeah, you got to hold on to those things. Yeah. You've got a free Russell going Canning back. shirt. <laughs> So what I was just so I was just so amazed that within that short period of time we activated ten people to actually come out and do something the next day. I was just amazed by that. Yeah. Well, people keep moving, so we keep getting more activists. We can cover more bases, huh? Right. And uh, so it was that day you were in court, and the judge calls you. Uh, they put you first, which was un- unexpected. I figured they'd put you last, so we'd all have to wait for. No, they want hours. they wanted you guys to leave. I guess so. Yeah, that's what. 
And so they heard you first. The judge called you up there and asked you how you pled. And I don't know if I'll ever forget it. You just looked at him and you said, whatever. Well, because I don't know what I was going to do when I got there because I don't know what they're going to charge me with. Because, you know, if they say, did you murder somebody? I'm going to say I'm not guilty. But this was kind of paperwork, so I was kind of, well, whatever you guys are going to do. <laughs> Stenographer, please note that the defendant has pled whatever. <laughs> so I guess he entered a plea of uh, of not guilty, I think, for Yeah. Him. And then they basically locked you back up for what was supposed to be another 30 days or so until May yeah, 14th. Yeah, five, five weeks, yeah. And so everybody was sort of unsure as to what was going to happen. And then you ended up getting out early. We'll get to that, but people are calling in. They already have questions for you. So let's go to the phones and talk to Mark in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live with Russell Canning. Hello, Mark. Hey, Russell. Glad to know you're out. <laughs> Thank you. What's on your mind? I got two questions. The first one is, how do you think the uh, sheriffs and judges and stuff would uh, react if you addressed them as, "Hey, how's it going, bureaucrat?" Well, you know, I do. Call him a bureaucrat. Well, I do do similar because I I do make jokes at them because like when we're in there, it's like, "Why did you haul me in here?" They're just typing. It's they're just like secretaries. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's funny because why did they dra- why did they gra- drag me in and then let me go that first night? Well, just to type in a computer. Well, they right. could have done that without me there. With they no handcuffs and any of that kind of stuff. Would that be too condescending for you? I mean, you're, you've got well, a very friendly demeanor about you at all times. And well, it depends on how they're interacting with me. You know, I'm asking them to not handcuff me, not hurt me. I'm not really, you know, thinking of them as bureaucrats or whatever. Mark, did you have any other questions for Russell? Yeah, the second one is for Mark, actually. Uh, who would you rather make out with, Ian or Russell? Oh, my God. I, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a heck of a choice. Thanks for the call. <laughs> 800-259-9231 if you've got it's a question. It's always the gay jokes for me. For Russell Canning. So they locked you back up in uh, in the to the jail for X amount of time. It was supposed to be five weeks. You ended up getting out early. How did that happen? Oh, well, uh, we kind of sp- sped up the whole system by, uh, I was going, you know what, maybe I should have just pled guilty because I am guilty of not following their rules. So if I plead guilty, maybe they can get on with the sentencing part. Because the last time I pled whatever or didn't put in a <laughs> plea, they uh, the Fed judge just did the trial right then. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he was going to put me off for five weeks. So that worked. Uh, you your wife contacted the prosecutor. And yeah, the police prosecutor. Was, yeah. He was amicable towards it. I guess they wanted you out of there. Yeah, they seemed eager to get me. Why do you think that out. is? Well, because they in their own words, said that I'm not hurting anybody and they'd rather spend their time with other things. Really? The lieutenant said that. Huh. Okay. We'll come back with more. 800-259-9231. I want to talk more about your tactics, the way you um, the way you deal with bureaucrats, and just the, the positive demeanor you always have. And I, I wonder, and I want to know, when when the lights flip on and you get pulled over... Do you get the adrenaline rush that most people do? Don't answer that yet. We'll come back to you. 800-259-9231. If you've got a question for Russell Canning, super activist, he's here with us. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's the live Saturday show, and you can take control of the airwaves. Toll-free number for you, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. 
And Mark. Joining us in studio tonight, we've got a guest. It is Russell Canning. He is one of the, I would say, most prominent, most visible <laughs> activists that have so far moved here uh, to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. Uh, he takes more of a civil disobedience tax. See, the cool thing about the Free State Project is there's no central organization whatsoever. The Free State Project exists to simply encourage liberty-loving individuals to move to New Hampshire. Once those people get to New Hampshire, it's up to them what they do. It's up to them where they move. It's up to them what their brand of activism is, what's right for them to do. So there are some people that take more of a political approach. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they go to Concord and they lobby the state house and they, you know, they go through all those political channels. And then there are people on the other side of the spectrum, uh, like Russell. I would say, Russell, you're probably as far away from the political side of the spectrum as, as one can get. Yeah, I'm getting farther away all the time. <laughs> There's no end point in sight. When I'm sitting going. in jail, uh, petitioning the government seems so tiny, you know. We live in a police state, you know. It's yeah, crazy. I agree with you. And it's not as bad of a police state in New Hampshire as it is, say, in Los Angeles. We saw footage earlier this week of just the cops batoning people and shooting people with rubber bullets and Awful things like that I don't think have happened in New Hampshire yet, but and hopefully we'll prevent them from ever happening. But Russell uh, was arrested recently for not uh, having a driver's license, and he's just recently been through the uh, the grinder of the system. The, the entire time you were engaging in, I guess, sort of non-cooperation. Would you call it that, non-cooperation? Yeah, because I'm not wanting to cooperate with the bad guys. You're not signing their paperwork. You, they want you to give your fingerprints. You didn't give them the, your fingerprints. And you actually pointed out to us during one of the breaks that apparently there was some some key differences between your the time that you've spent in federal prison. Is it prison that you were in? Well, in control by the feds or whatever. Yeah, you were <laughs> under control by the feds versus this local jail. You say that like they didn't force you to give your fingerprints this time. No, the Stratford County Jail and the Cheshire County Jail did not force me to fingerprint, and the feds did. The feds the feds have hurt me, and no local guys have ever hurt really? me. Really? Yeah. So there's this one example of the more centralized the government gets, the bigger government gets, the more violent and, and dangerous it becomes. But we've got to go to the phones. Uh, we're going to get back into more of your tactics and that sort of thing here in a moment. But Brad is on the line from Indianapolis listening on WXNT. Brad, you're on with Russell Canning. Hey, Russell. How are you doing today? Good. I just, I just want to um, ask you, and please let me state first and foremost that I am not a right-wing uh, crazy person you know, I have uh, done my share of illegal activities. I have been in jail. I have done the same sort of things as far as I see it as being irresponsible and not taking care of things. And I want to know why you think it's okay for you to break the law and not abide by the rules and what kind of a country you think it would be if we all did this. I mean, you guys are talking about the police and the government being the enemy and, and you know, the, the, the people in Mexico, I mean, the, the, the Mexican people that were marching the, uh, this week being beaten by the cops. Well, what about the, those people that might have been pushing the cops to actually get them to assault them so that the news cameras that were there to cover it could film it and then you guys could talk about it on the air as being how evil the police are? I mean, I'm not a big fan of the cops. I get pulled over and I get a speeding ticket. I'm not happy about it but i mean at some point you have to have some order in this world and we have to follow some rules well and and yeah it's um for me i've uh you know you describe yourself you're not a right-wing crazy people have called me a right-wing crazy you know uh, depending on who you talk to uh 
I probably have been arrested a lot less than you have, and you might have spent a lot more time in jail than me. I haven't broken Possibly. too. I haven't broken too many uh, government rules. That's not something I like go out of my way to do usually. <laughs> but um, if there's a rule that's not right, well, then I don't feel like I have to uh, abide by it. Uh, most of the time, I'm not purposely trying to break their rules. In this case, I and it costs me money, and I have to ask permission to have a license, and I just don't think I should have to do that. Uh, I don't what think. What if I? What if I felt like it was not right that the the, the legal speed limit is 55 in my in, in parts of my state, and I felt like I should be able to drive. 110. Well, see, you know? I wouldn't I wouldn't want to use force to stop you from doing that. Uh I don't I can't I am not interested in resisting evil people by force, so I'm not interested in having a government at all to protect me from the bad people or dangerous so, people or whatever. So that's so, where my justification comes from for not so having a, a government. Person, if a bad person comes at you, and is going to do something to you or your family, you're not going to resist them. No, not really. You're so, going to let somebody rape your wife right in front of you. Uh, that kind of stuff can happen, and I'm not interested. It would never happen with me. I'm not a violent person at all. I mean, I every fight, I, well, not every, but most of the fights I've ever been in as a kid, I probably got beaten up. I'm not a tough guy by any means. But, you know, there comes a point in every person's life when you have to say, you know, I've got to stand up here and use a little physical force to, to yeah, help so, save well, somebody's life. Well, now we've we've shifted gears. We we originally your your line of questioning was well, what's your justification I know, I'm sorry. for well, your original line of questioning is what's your justification for not following the government rules? And now you've sort right. of shifted into a discussion of pacifism. Uh, it, Russell, well, would you describe yourself as a pacifist? I guess so. See, now, not all of the people here are of that same uh, ilk. For instance, Mark and myself, neither of us are pacifists. Um, Come in my house and you're going to meet Mr. Mossberg. (laughs) (laughs) Right, that's right. But in in that case, then we're talking about personal defense against another person who's looking to to harm you. I think that really what we want to talk about here, I don't really, I mean, we can get into pacifism, but then then you're going to have us disagreeing with Russell, and (laughs) really I want to just focus more on the fact that what you've got are aggressors in the form of the government that are trying to tell you and trying to tell Russell and trying to tell all of us how we're supposed to live, that we're supposed to bow down to them and beg them for permission to be able to to drive on their roads. And Russell's just simply saying, well, why should I have to beg these people for permission? I mean, are they better than I am? Isn't, is that essentially what you're, you're putting out there? Yeah, because I feel all of us should be free to travel around. I'm not interested in telling other people what to do, and I don't want to fund a government to do that for me. So that's, so you know. we should have no government. Well, I'm not sure what you might want to do, but I I don't want to be part of any government. Right. Well, it, as far as I can understand it, you know, based on just the writings of the founding fathers and that sort of thing, the theory behind at least this government was that it was created by the consent of the governed. And so, you know, people came first, then people created this thing called the government. And well, what if you decide you don't consent? So because other people consent to this uh, controlling gang, that means that we have to be controlled by them too? See, I don't consent to them either. Russell isn't consenting to them. Why should you be forced to consent to this? That's kind of backwards, isn't it? Yes, but I mean, 
if you if you take that attitude, then you cannot, you should not partake of any benefits that the government of America provides for the people. Those roads are paid for by taxpayers. The, um, the yeah, mail but you know, it's kind of hard. That gets ugly because the government forces themselves on every part of our lives, and the roads, of course, being one of the strongest ones. If I never went on anybody else's land or ever, ever went on government property, I would be in slavery. And so I don't I don't even understand that whole line of reasoning. Well, you pay for the roads when you go and buy gas. So well, you can make that point that you're, you're actually funding that. But are you taking government benefits elsewhere? Are you collecting Social Security? Are you, you know, collecting checks from the government? What, are you taking anything else from that? Yeah, I mean, for... Mostly, you have to decide that you're not connected to the government. So, yeah, I'm not. I don't call the cops when I want help. I don't complain to them when the roads aren't in tip-top shape. You know, if your I, house was on fire. Call the fire no, department. I wouldn't. <laughs> there you go. Thanks for the call, Brad. We appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. So, you know, he lives by his principles. If you espouse that government, you don't want to be involved in the government, then you shouldn't be taking checks from them, and you shouldn't be involved in their programs as as little as you possibly can. And it Russell's Certainly a man of a different his word. way of thinking, you know. And, and that is exactly what he does. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. If you've got a question for Russell Canning, get on the phones now. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. Bring up what you want. Toll free. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll free line. It is the live Saturday edition, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are completely free. Though we do ask you voluntarily support the show by buying some stuff at Amazon. You know them, the world's largest internet retailer. But don't go through their normal link. You've got to go through amazon.freetalklive.com. See, if you enter Amazon through that link then Free Talk Live gets a percentage of anything that you purchase. And 40 categories of products, everything from their huge selection of books, and DVDs, to office products, furniture, clothing, uh, baby stuff, camping supplies. I mean, they've got it all, including their brand new grocery store. So we'll get a percentage of whatever you buy if you go through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. We're talking with Russell Canning. He's one of the most visible and most effective, in my opinion, civil disobedience activists here in the state of New Hampshire. He moved here, are we up on, coming up on three years now, Russell? Did you move three years ago? Maybe. Because we've almost been here for a year at this point. And so you've moved in here and you've gotten active. You've, uh, you've been arrested a few times because basically, and if, I, if I'm not summarizing this correctly, please let me know, but basically you just... You don't believe the system is legitimate. The government isn't, you know, they're essentially they're this gang of people that is setting arbitrary rules for people to follow and then enforcing them at the point of a gun. And, you know, you just don't feel like uh, going along with all that. Yeah. And especially this last time they came after me. I didn't do any civil disobedience. I wasn't pushing them like Gandhi talks about. This time I was... Uh, I was on the receiving end. You know, we should talk, <laughs> we should talk about that because uh, there were some events that you had going on here in Keene right up before this happened. In fact, uh, the, you were calling it the Tilting at Windmills event. Yeah. What's that all about? Well, we're trying to kick uh, the IRS out of Keene. <laughs> and, you know, it's a big it's a big job. There's giants out there like, uh, you know, Don Quixote was going after, but they're real. Right. They're the, they're the IRS. <laughs> so you and uh, some of the other activists here in the area, including Lauren Canario, got dressed up. And I think you were dressed up as uh, like a torture victim. You had a, like a black hood over your head and the orange jumpsuit and everything. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, somebody was dressed up as Don Quixote and that sort of thing, Sancho. And everybody was out front of the IRS office here in Keene and just sort of doing... You know, it's it's fun to do that sort of uh, civil disobedience, that sort of action. And the local authorities have never hassled us over any of our civil disobedience. They don't know what things. to do. Well, never mostly had this they, they're, they're friendly. They... You know, they're looking for trouble, and we haven't been in trouble yet, so... And what's going on is you guys are moving closer and closer to the entrance of the uh, the IRS office, as mm-hmm. I understand it. So we started out on the corner of the street, then moved up to the front of the walkway, and I presume that you're planning another uh, another occurrence. Oh, yeah, well, we'll have to do a little bit more. They The the troops moved forward while I was in jail, so that was good. Right, so there's, a, there's always something <laughs> happening here. You are definitely one of the instigators. You're one of the ones who, uh, you and your wife, come up with, uh, with ideas for things to do. And then people like me, we just show up, and I show up with a video camera, and other, somebody else shows up with a video camera. And so there's just more and more people coming here, and, and it's, getting, it's getting more exciting by the month. It really is. And um, just don't forget that Russell's got his own newspaper, KeenFreePress.com. And you're also one of the proprietors of NHFree.com, uh, one of the administrators, for lack mm-hmm. of a better term, uh, which is, of course, sort of the clearinghouse for all things activist, liberty activist in New Hampshire, which is just a great website as well. Now, uh, let's go to the phones, and then we'll talk a little bit about uh, your technique. Let's talk to Mike in California. You're on the amplifier line with Russell Canning. Hello, Mike. Hey, guys. Hey, hey Russell. I didn't get a chance to meet you at New, New Hampshire Liberty Forum. And you know the jokes that are made about you on the air here and on the forums are kind of, kind of like uh, it's amazing when you're not in jail. But that's not really accurate, is it? It's more you haven't been arrested a ton, have you? No, just a couple times, two or three okay, times. My, and it seems like your your version of activism is passive in that you're you're saying this is what freedom looks like. I'm not going to go force it on you, I'm not, or, or I'm not. I'm not even going to preach what freedom looks like. It's just this is freedom, and so I'm living it. Is that correct? Yeah, mostly. That's what a lot of us can do because you can just live your life. That's that's easier to do than uh, pushing things. Okay, my question then is: I'm considering uh, coming to New Hampshire, and I'm I'm kind of debating what I can do to, uh, or what actually what I'd be willing to do. There's a lot of fear involved for me. A lot of different kinds of fear in protesting. And when I hang up, I'd also like to hear your answer to Ian's earlier question. Do you feel the adrenaline rush that that people like me do? But my <laughs> question is, what what are the practical aspects of, I guess, going to jail, really? Because in terms of how do you, if you're unsure how long they're going to keep you or if you're going to go to jail um, or if it's going to escalate, how do you earn an income or how do you buy food or how do you pay your bills or whatever? Now, you do have a wife and that helps, but... It just seems like it's getting easier and easier to to be arrested. Literally, reading a book on a porch, or like you, just driving down the street. Yeah, and like uh, Gandhi said, that's the main thing that holds you back is the fear. You know, the fear of the government. Um, I recommend for people to take it, you know, one step at a time. You know, like maybe you're many steps away from getting purposely getting arrested. You know, <laughs> that might not be the next step for you. Um, Don't jump into the deep end, so to speak. Yeah. Um, because it is bad. Uh, I mean, it can, it can have the problem of, you know, what if they throw me in jail? We're not making money. You know, my family needs help from fellow activists. You know, it can get ugly however long I'm in there and things like that. What if they haul me in jail for a year? And every time I go in there, I don't know how long it's going to be. I mean, when, you know, is this the time I go to Guantanamo? Mm-hmm. Is this, that's... That's a fear you have to not have. Otherwise, you can't take that step forward towards pushing the government 
or even when the government comes up and tells you what to do, it's hard to stand up to them if you're afraid. I like that, taking it easy, and, and thank you for the call, Mike. We appreciate it. You know, taking it slow, getting here, first and foremost, get here, and then dabble a little in whatever whatever interests you. Go and uh, to attend some protests, but don't do anything that might get you arrested. And then, you know, over time, if that seems to be a direction that you want to go in, then start getting your ducks in order. Make sure you've got uh, whatever... Things you need to have covered, covered as far as as far as rent, as far as bills are concerned. If that's something you're planning as a possibility, then you know plan for it. Now I have respect for what Russell's doing, but there's there's lots of different ways to pursue freedom in New Hampshire. And, yes, there uh, are. You know you can come up here and um, live a normal life, run for office, and uh, try to shrink the government from the inside. It's- the fact is, only a certain percentage of activists are going to be able to do what Russell um, is doing or going to have the courage to do it. Now, he touched on the fear aspect, and from what I've seen so far uh, from a lot of the activists here, this is still a huge issue. It's an issue with me. Uh, When those lights go on behind me, I get an immediate adrenaline rush. Uh, Julia, same thing happens with her. I know I'm sure it happens with a lot of other people. And just, you know, just knowing you, Russell, and seeing, you know, your demeanor, always happy, always a smile on your face. It's as though nothing can bother you at all. When those cops flip on their lights and pull you over, do you get the the same rush that most of us do? Uh, I don't think so. It's How? not as much... How did you get over it? How did you get over the fear of what are essentially scary guys with guns who could do anything to you? Yeah, it's it's funny because the last two, three times we got pulled over, uh, you know, that those two times I got pulled over, Cap and Kira were in the car, and uh, we kind of look at each other and go, so I wonder what's going to happen, you know, or uh, we knew this was going to happen eventually, mm-hmm. you know, because I drive around without a license, but they never pull me over because... I'm never hurting anybody, so it has. So it feels funny the second time uh, because we, you know, where do we pull over? The last, the last time uh, we even stopped in the middle of the road because Cat said, "Hey, let's just stop right here." <laughs> <laughs> so we caused a traffic jam. We just stopped in the middle of the road. But how did? But how did you defeat the fear? You must have had it at some point in your life, and it and it went away. Was it something? Was it a, like a mental switch you just flipped one day, or was it a process? How did that happen? Kind of because I'm. Uh, for me now, I'm not afraid to be in jail. I'm feeling like if I'm in jail, I am accomplishing something. When were I'm you in, afraid the first time you were arrested? N- more than this time. So it's Each been, time gets easier. You've acclimated to the it. The first then. time, the feds got me, you know, they were getting me at the, the TSA. So, I'm, you know, you start thinking, okay, is this the day I go to Guantanamo, you know? Well, now I was. um, You just said you don't have any fear of being in jail. Now, jail's designed to stink. I mean, that's that's the whole idea there. Um, Why don't you hate it? Well, I don't like it, but I'm not afraid of being there. Um, I can be in there knowing that me. You know, for me, I'm in there. I feel like every minute I'm in there, I'm helping our cause. That people are getting motivated out there. Uh, You know how you say I have a smile all the time. I don't have a smile when I'm in jail. Okay. I mean, there's big chunks of time where <laughs> I'm telling them I'm not. I don't pretend that I'm having fun in there. The guys right. will say, "So how are you feeling?" I'm going, "I'm pretty crummy. I wish I was out of jail." Yeah, sure. Hmm. Um, would you? Is the is today the day you guys let me go? You know, that's like a joke I do with those guys. Right. They, right. they try to institutionalize you, and I'm always trying to think outside the walls. You know, they're trying to box you up, and so I'm always saying, no, I don't want to be here. I know, Russell, you are an inspiration for a lot of our listeners. I know that you're one of the primary reasons a number of people are coming here sooner rather than later. And, uh, you know, keep up the good work. Was there any final thoughts you had? Uh, You've got about, like, ten seconds. No, uh, 
you know, you guys come and join us. It'll be fun. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Russell, for coming on tonight. And don't forget his website, keenfreepress.com. He's the editor and publisher of that. Also one of the uh, guys behind nhfree.com as well. Keeping up the good work. And we'll keep you informed about what Russell does next. And I'm sure we'll have him back at some point. Hour two's coming up. You take control. Bring up what you want. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's the live Saturday edition of the program, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are completely free. That, once again, is freetalklive.com. We just finished up, uh, if you're just tuning in, we just had an hour-long interview with uh, with our friend Russell Canning, uh, super activist Russell Canning. He's uh, a man who is involved, has involved himself in many different uh, events uh, regarding civil disobedience. Uh, he's sort of a follower of uh, Henry David Thoreau and uh, no, what that what was it, Tolstoy? Was it Tolstoy, Tolstoy that he mentioned? And uh, he's just a, just, just a very uh, very interesting character and a big inspiration to a lot of people. I figured since we're still sort of following the Russell situation, uh, we'll talk about another civil disobedience protester that recently got arrested. This one didn't happen in New Hampshire, but instead it was, I believe, Boston. It was a skinny pair of stereo wires, according to the Boston Phoenix, that got 21-year-old Joe Prevetera charged with two felonies. A week ago on Wednesday, the Boston College student poked his head through a gauzy shawl, donned a black pointy hood, and ascended a milk crate positioned to the right of the Armed Forces Recruitment Center's entrance. He extended his arms like a tired scarecrow. Stereo wires dangled from his fingers onto the ground below. Without those wires, the Westwood native could have been mistaken for an eyeless clansman dipped in black, or maybe even the Wicked Witch of the West. So do you understand what he's doing so far, Mark? Yes, he's uh, imitating uh, one of the more famous photos from uh, Abu Ghraib. Correct. And, uh, you know, protesting the uh, recruitment of people into the military when the military does this sort of thing, is what his protest is I think about. he's just protesting the war, and the military recruitment center seemed to probably was a good a place event as any to, uh, to do that protest. And so that's what he did. He got up on a, uh, again, a milk crate and just stood there. But those snaky cords, remember, holding one wire in one hand, another wire in the other hand. Mm-hmm. Wires weren't connected to anything. The snaky they cords suspicious. made the costumes import clear. Prevatera was a dead ringer for one of Abu Ghraib's Iraqi prisoners, specifically the faceless man who'd allegedly been forced to balance on a cardboard box lest he be electrocuted. Quote, we found that street theater can be more effective in conveying a message than a flyer, he said, nearly a week later, explaining why he's dress, uh, he dressed up like the Abu Ghraib prisoner. Quote, we picked a location because we wanted to make people think about what they might be called or forced to do if they enlist in the military. And he's right. Um, street theater is more effective than flyering. If you're standing out in front of some place with a bunch of flyers, no one wants your flyer. Who are you? Why, why do I want to take your garbage, your flyer? Uh, people that are handed flyers are either going to not take them or, in many cases, will take them and then throw them in the trash the next opportunity they get. Sometimes they read them. and, and I guess Sometimes. If, uh, yeah. I mean, I was given a flyer in New, when I was in New York City a couple of uh, weeks ago, and um, I, I read it. Sometimes uh, I would say it's uh, I would say it's less than ten percent. Okay. Of the people that you flyer will actually read it. 
But the demonstration didn't go as planned. Prevatera, along with four friends who'd come out, uh, come out to shoot photos and protect the blinded activist in case, as fellow BC student Nick Fuller Guggins put it, quote, some hyper-nationalist character came up and punched him in the stomach, mm. which, by the way, isn't an unreal fear. No, no, it's not. Um, you weren't you weren't there for this, Mark, but at one of the at one of Russell's tilting at windmills protests, mm-hmm. this big guy, huge guy, approached us, and he had a cane with him, and he started yelling at us, and he was just he, you know, just a mindless nationalist, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he accused us all of being in the same generation, even though one guy was there in his late 50s, and some of us were in our early 20s, uh, and he you know, was uh, upset because we wanted peace, upset at us for that. And I don't remember some of the things he said, but he was trying to scare us, saying, the government's bigger than us, why are we doing this, blah, blah, blah. And he actually started advancing on both – there were two of us there with video cameras, Mm -hmm. myself and another guy, Roger Grant, was there. And he first of all, he came after Roger because Roger was on that side of the street. I had crossed the street to get some wide shots. And when I noticed this guy approaching, I tried my best to get over, but I couldn't get over quite quick enough. Sure. And uh, so he started approaching Roger and basically looking like he was going to attack him. Russell's wife, Kat, and Lauren Canario stepped in the way, just sort of got in the way of this man mm-hmm. and protected Roger, which was amazing to watch. Um, but he did manage to um, to push Roger's camera. He kind of hit Roger's like three thousand dollar digital video camera, which of course is completely out of out of control and uh, uncalled for. That's not his property. No, he has no right to do that. It's out of line. And no matter how much you agree or disagree with uh, the person doing whatever protest, uh, you know, striking them or their property. You don't or, want to be recorded. Don't show up in public. Yeah. Well, you go know, somewhere don't, else. Don't go uh, share whatever opinion you have to share. Right, so he kept spouting off. I had managed to cross the street by this time and approach with my camera, and so he was being videotaped by two different people at that point, and he got very, he was very upset by the cameras. He did not want to be recorded. Um, whenever a camera was on him, he would get much more agitated than he already was. Uh, once again, Kat and Lauren did step in between him and myself because he was raising his cane at me. This man would have, if it were not for us having a bunch of activists out there, he might very well have attacked if there were just one or two people. Hmm. And so it's a very real concern. Anyway, so this guy, the protester in this case, the guy who was imitating uh, the, the torture victims, he had some of his friends around. And they figured that the cops would warn him before they tossed him in the clink. But they didn't. First, Prevatera's friends say, someone came out of the recruitment office and told him to get down. And when Prevatera didn't, the person went inside. Now, no one from the recruitment center could be reached for comment for the article. Soon after, the cops appeared and watched the spectacle from their cruisers. Shortly thereafter, the Boston police bomb squad rolled up. The bomb squad. Less than 90 minutes after the protest began, the police began taping off the area around him, and when Prevatera stepped down, they took him into custody for disturbing the peace. But Prevatera had remained silent the entire time. I was really trying to uh, play the role as accurately as possible, he says, so I wasn't speaking with anyone, just trying to stay there as still as possible. Any disturbance came from the crowd of gawking spectators that witnesses say assembled once the police showed up. At the precinct, Prevatera discovered that in addition to the initial misdemeanor, he'd been charged with two felonies, false report of of location of explosives and a hoax device. This was symbolic. Uh, this was supposed to be more symbolic than anything, he said, who never imagined they'd nab him for a false bomb threat. For having wires. That's right. He was holding a wire in each one of his hands. What if you were returning a VCR? 
and you happen to have some wires trailing out of the bag that you're carrying the VCR into Walmart with. They could, could accuse you of being a terrorist. Apparently, I mean, this is just either that. But you wouldn't get that attention if you were walking to Walmart. either that or these are trumped up charges. Well, of course they're trumped. Of course well, they're. I, I, I'm just trying to make it clear. This is not legitimate. So what if the guy was standing there doing a protest? That's his First Amendment right. I, you know, it, I don't know if it makes any difference in the big scheme of things or not. Mm-hmm. Doing this protest doesn't matter. You are guaranteed by the First Amendment to be able to protest, and he should be able to do that. He and says I, it doesn't say anything about you can't protest in the First Amendment with wires. He says I never wanted to scare anyone into thinking I had a bomb. I just wanted to make people think about international affairs. I never uttered the word bomb or explosive. His friend Sula was surprised, too, but she realizes this kind of escalated police response has sadly become the norm for activists, saying, quote, In the world and the the time we're living in right now, most people will say the post-9-11 world, when you go out to some demonstration or in any way display your dissent for anything related to the government or the status quo, you're putting yourself at risk, she says. And the same day of Prevatera's protest, a report in the Boston Globe warned of possible terrorist warning of possible terrorist threats read, quote, officials were urged to take note of people dressed in bulky jackets in warm weather or trailing electrical wires. So if Prevatera didn't mention a bomb, then what exactly constitutes a bomb threat? Quote, it can be implied with fingers and wires, especially in a heightened state of alert as we are, says Officer Michael McCarthy, the mm. Boston Police Department spokesbureaucrat. McCarthy thinks this is common knowledge, even if the wires are accessories to a costume. Mr. Prevatera should know better. He's a young adult educated at Boston College from a wealthy suburb. I'm sure he knows wires attached to his fingers running to a milk crate would arouse suspicion outside a military recruiter's office when he's dressed in a prisoner's garb. If he has any questions as to why people think he may have had a bomb, then he needs to maybe go back to Boston College to brush up on his public policy, or at least common sense, but they can't really teach that there. Are you kidding me? They think everything's a bomb in Boston. Apparently so. And I guess he's lucky they didn't blow him up, because whenever the bomb squad comes out and you know they've got a suspected bomb, they usually attach explosives to it and blow it up. Yeah, whether it's a, a flashing sign or whether it's uh, their own traffic counting device, uh, they, they seem to blow up a lot of things in Boston taking but their bombs. this bureaucrat is saying that this guy should have known better. Do you agree? Should he have known better? Should he have not engaged in this protest? Should he have been charged with two felonies for standing out in front of the military recruiting office doing a silent protest? Because he had a wire hanging from his arm? That was a critical prop. 800-259-9231. Your thoughts. Free Talk Live. Saturday edition, your show. You bring up what you want, toll free at 800-259-9231. That would be the SACL CAI toll free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got a wiki. It's like a listener editable version of our website. Over 1,300 pages await you, and you can go there and edit it to your heart's content if you like. Wiki.freetalklive.com or just surf around. It's free. That's wiki.freetalklive.com. The Republican Liberty Caucus welcomes new members in the pursuit of individual rights, limited government, and free enterprise principles, all within the GOP. Visit rlc.org and click Join Us Today. We'll find liberty together. rlc.org. You know, I'm kind of shocked that there's not some nationalist out there that wants to defend the actions of the government in the case we were just talking about. And recap it here briefly. But 800-259-9231, essentially what happened, a young man, a college-age student, showed up at the Army Recruiting Office, or the Military Recruiting Office, in Boston or one of them, and he got up on top of a milk crate. He had a black sort of a little 
robe. I don't know what it's what do you call it. Tunic, I guess, would be the uh, the accurate term. Black tunic, and uh, and he had a hood on, mm-hmm. and he was essentially imitating the famous one of the famous photos from Abu Ghraib prison of the man that was being forced to stand still lest he be uh, electrocuted. Mm-hmm. And part of this man's costume that was critical to the costume were wires that were hanging Otherwise, from his Otherwise, how would he would pretend that he was going to be electrocuted? Right. Otherwise, he just looks like a weirdo in a, a tunic on, on a milk crate. So it was really important for him to have these wires. Now, the wires weren't hooked up to anything. They were just hanging there. In fact, there's a photo on this article, and we'll post the article later at bbs.freetalklive.com so you can see it yourself. But it's very clear that this man wasn't putting anyone in danger. Uh, it's very clear this is a protest. And the response from the police is just absolutely outrageous, in my opinion. The police arrested this man and charged him with two felonies, so-called false report of a location of explosives and a hoax device. Now, on the first one, false report of a location of explosives, doesn't, I mean, the word report, doesn't that usually mean someone said something? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you called somewhere and said there's a bomb in your school or there's a bomb in blah, blah, blah. Isn't that a report of explosives? And it turns out the explosives aren't there, so therefore it's a false report. How is it a report when one goes and stands on a milk crate and holds wires in one's hands? Well, I don't see how anybody could defend this. I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious. It's an obvious violation of the First Amendment, and I would hope that none of our callers, uh, none of our listeners would agree with arresting this man for um, this protest. Well, the cop agrees with it. The spokesperson for the, for the police department came to, came to their defense. He said he should know better. He's educated and from a wealthy suburb as that, as though that means that you're going to, to know exactly how the police are going to respond to you. This man did not show up with the intention of getting arrested. He showed up with the intention of opening a few people's eyes, of getting a few people to, you know, not forget what happened in the Abu Ghraib prison. That was the point of the protest. Should he have, had he wanted to get arrested, there were plenty more things that he could have done in order to get himself arrested. He could have gone into the military recruiting center and stood on their countertop. That'll get you arrested. You know, there, there are much more, uh, there are many, many more things that he could have done, but he didn't do because that wasn't his intention. But nonetheless, the police came, made a big scene about it. They brought out the bomb squad in this particular case and then th- charged him with two felonies and arrested him. I want someone to, def- to, 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 come to, his, uh, to come to the police's defense in this case. I know there's some nationalist out there that thinks this is a good idea, that thinks that people like him shouldn't be able to engage in protests that involve wires. Well, if they are good nationalists, then they believe in the Constitution of the United States, and they believe in the First Amendment. That's not necessarily true. Nationalists believe in uh, necessity and, and the power of the state. Nationalists believe that whatever the state does is A-OK by them. At least that's the impression I get from them. Maybe I'm wrong. You tell me. 800-259-9231. He says, I'm sure, this is the police spokesman, I'm sure he knows wires attached to his fingers running to a milk crate would arouse suspicion outside of a military recruiter's office. Why? Why, why is that going to arouse suspicion? First of all, from the picture that, I've seen, that I can see, it doesn't look like they're attached to the milk crate. But so what if they were attached to the milk crate? There's clearly nothing inside the milk crate. It's a milk crate, and you can see through it. So really, what's the issue there? Hmm? I really would like to know. where. Why is this so scary? If you were walking into the military recruiting center, 
or you were walking into any place. Let's say he set this up by uh, you know the side of a Walmart. Of course, you'd need permission from Walmart to do that. But let's say he set it up outside of any old go- any old government office, the post office, for instance. You happen to walk in there. Would it spook you? Would it scare you? Would you think this man was uh, holding a bomb? And secondly, it just doesn't even hold up to just logic. If if I am a terrorist and I want to blow up the military recruiting center or blow up the post office or whatever other government agency, why am I going to show up in a costume with wires hanging out of it? Doesn't make a lot of sense. But yeah, if I'm going to blow something up, I'm going to have a bomb completely concealed in a backpack or under my shirt or something like that. Yeah, I'm not going to have wires hanging out for some nosy cop to notice. I'm going to be very careful about it. I'm going to plan it. And no one's going to know what's happening until it's too late. This man clearly didn't have the intention to harm anybody. And what is definitely clear about this case is that the cops have an intention to crush freedom of speech. That the cops have the intention to uh, to rain on everybody's parade and to just be tyrannical and just generally bad. This story, on top of what happened in Los Angeles uh, earlier this week, it just keeps getting worse in America. And, of course, the more they continue, to, and they know what they're doing, the more they continue to crack down on free speech, because that's what this is. This is an instance of free speech. Mm-hmm. He's on public property, which he partially paid for. He should be able to perform a protest there. It's a crackdown on free speech, and it's absolutely disgusting, and it's really bad because it's going to scare people. You see, the, the language of this, of, this, uh, of this cop that was, was talking here, he says, well, I'm sure that he knew this would arouse suspicion, and the, the, the intention there is to suggest that, well, you shouldn't be doing that. Right, you should know better than to protest. How dare you arouse suspicion? How dare you? Uh, how dare you protest in America? This is the new America. This is the post 9/11 America. Everything's changed. There's no more Constitution. There's no more Bill of Rights. There's no more free speech. How dare this young man do that? Well, you would think that the the cops were there to protect this guy's constitutional right to protest. Sorry, but that's not the case. Yeah, it doesn't seem that way. Let's go to the phones and talk to Mike in Miami, listening on WFTL. Hey, Mike. Yeah, I like enough. I'm carrying a book bag, and I was going to get on a bus, and I couldn't shove the wires with my headset in on my book bag quick enough, and I get on there, and I got wires. What do I got to do, bust me? Yeah, apparently that would be, according to the uh, the Boston officials, that would be a false report of a location of explosives and a hoax device, and those are two felony charges. But that uh, that would require, Mike, for someone to get scared and report you. If you're on the bus, the city bus, I don't know how likely that's going to happen, but apparently carrying wires outside of the front door of any government office would very likely get you arrested. No, no, no. I, I, I've been pulled off buses just by carrying my son's back, my, my son's luggage case with uh with diapers and milk hmm. I've been it's just off scary it's scary what's happening the in this country and uh, thank you for the call we appreciate it at 800-259-9231 can you defend the actions of the police in this case charging a young man with two felony counts relating to bombs for engaging in a silent friendly protest can you 800-259-9231 i bet you can't it's free talk live One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com.
800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are completely free. And that does include the updates. You just get signed up. We'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Get on the list by going to updates.freetalklive.com. That is updates.freetalklive.com. Uh, so we're talking about this, uh, this story out of Boston, which probably isn't going to get a lot of press. I doubt this is going to show up in the Boston Herald, uh, because this is the Boston Phoenix. I don't know if that's a college newspaper or what, but they're reporting on a story of a, uh, a young man who was arrested and charged with two felonies because he decided he wanted to protest the war in Iraq. He went out in front of a military recruiting office and stood on on top of a milk crate while wearing a black tunic and essentially a a, a bag over his head, um, a cloak, if you will. And he was imitating the uh, famous Abu Ghraib picture of the guy that was forced to stand on the the box or be electrocuted. And you know, Correct. in the process, he had a couple of wires in his hand. Right, and he was holding those wires, and that was the excuse that the police used to arrest him and charge him with two felonies in relation to threatening with a bomb and hoax device and that sort of thing. Of course, he never said the word bomb. He never threatened to blow anybody Not at up. all. It's just wires to, to symbolize the fact that the guy was going to be electrocuted if he fell off the box. It's just the police doing what they always do, and that is whatever they want. The police just do what they want. They bring charges. If the prosecutor throws it out later on, the police don't uh, suffer any consequences from it. But they have managed to successfully remove this young man from his protest, ruin his day, and possibly cost him Charge thousands him felonies. Of, possibly cost him thousands of dollars in in legal uh, bills. Now, um, you know, I have no problem with police keeping. Uh, the, the streets orderly and that kind of thing, but it it seems like and and I'm not saying this happens every time somebody does a protest because likely if they don't get arrested we don't hear about it, but um it it seems like the police arrest people doing protests in order to clean up the streets and keep things orderly, whereas the, what the police should be doing is protecting all, all of our First Amendment rights because by the police arresting this college student uh, protesting the war in this manner. He has a t- uh, that the, that police department has attacked all of our First Amendment rights. It's all true. of us, regardless of what you think about the war. You can be the biggest supporter of the war, and you should still be in support of this man. Um, this man's ability to protest against it. Right. I mean, isn't the war about spreading freedom? Quote Supposedly. Unquote? Right. I, I mean, I, I don't believe that for a second. But right. that would be one of the uh, the, the lines. Well, you see, it's it's about spreading uh, freedom, the, the George Bush's brand of freedom, which apparently doesn't involve freedom of speech. It apparently doesn't involve liberty. Right. Freedom, um, you know, the, the kind freedom, of... The freedom for a government to do what it wants. Right. How about that? The kind of freedom that we, um, you know, talk about on a world basis has really just become democracy. You know, voting for officials. And who knows if, you know, Stalin said it doesn't matter who votes, it matters who counts the votes. So I want to hear from you on this at 800-259-9231. Still yet to hear from someone who can defend the actions of the police. Now, the police spokesperson tried his damnedest to defend, but he just made himself sound like a, a tyrannical jerk. And that's what this is all about. It's all about suppressing freedom of speech. Because when they arrest someone like this for doing nothing that harmed anyone else, for not even threatening to harm anyone else, when they arrest someone like this young man, then it, the word gets out there that, hey, you thinking about protesting? Look what happened to this guy. And sure, I'm telling who, wants, you, who wants to go to jail? Nobody. Uh, most people don't want to go to jail. There are a lot of people that would protest, but if they know that there's a good chance they're going to end up in a jail cell as a result of their protest, 
they they might just stay home. And that's what this is. That is the effect of what the uh, the Boston police have done in this case is they are chilling freedom of speech. They are making it so, yeah, you can still go out and have your little protest, but we might just show up, slap handcuffs on you, and throw you in a jail cell. Charge you with some nonsense. Right. So what's that going to do to the future of dissent and protest in America? It's going to lessen it. it. It's going to harm it. And if people aren't free to dissent, if people aren't free to protest in nonviolent ways, then what do we have left in regards to the uh, the First Amendment? What part of it would would remain in that particular case? It's a direct attack on the First Amendment, no doubt about it. So, uh, still waiting for you at 800-259-9231. Otherwise, uh, we'll continue with uh, other interesting stories. Mark, you've got something that has to do with jail, but from the other end, people getting out of it. Yeah. In fact, um, there's a a column here by uh, Gregory Kane. Jerry Miller reached a milestone this week. But I'm willing to bet it's one he'd prefer not to involve him, um, be involved, involve him at all. Miller was arrested as a suspect in the kidnapping, rape, and robbery of a Chicago woman in 1981. He was convicted in 1982, sentenced to 45 years, and paroled in 2006 as a registered sex offender. Mm. Miller had to wear an electronic monitoring device, couldn't answer his door for Halloween trick-or-treaters, or leave his job when he um, took a lunch break. The DNA testing um, intervened. Semen on the uh, victim's clothing was tested for DNA, and it wasn't Miller's. On Monday, Uh yes. Now, this happened in 1981, just in case you wondered. It's 2007. He spent 25 years in prison. Right. He spent a long time in prison. He's out now. Uh, On Monday, Miller became, according to the Innocent Innocent Project, the 200th person in the country to be exonerated as a result of DNA testing. The Cook County State Attorney's Office joined us in asking the court to um, vacate Mr. Miller's conviction, said Eric Ferrero, a spokesperson for the Innocent Project, a 15-year-old organization founded to help prisoners who could be exonerated through DNA testing. Mm -hmm. But how was Miller convicted in the first place? Here's the kicker. It wasn't from physical evidence. It was from that old, reliable, prosecutorial, standby, eyewitness identification. Oh, boy. Which is frequently proving to be highly um, unreliable. Here's the statistic. 77% of the 200 people that have been exonerated due to DNA testing since its inception involved erroneous eyewitness identification. Oh, boy. 77% of these people that were convicted and... Some of which were on death row. In this case, it was Jerry Miller was not on death row, although um, because you know the person wasn't killed, they were just kidnapped, raped, and robbed. Um, not that that's just, but you know he didn't go to death row. How does this? Uh, but he did do 25 years in prison for something he didn't do, and he was put in there by eyewitness accounts. And my question here is: every time you talk to somebody about the death penalty and they support the death penalty, they think it should only be used in cases where we know that the person is guilty. Mm-hmm. How do we know the person is guilty? Someone saw it. 77% of these 200 people that have been exonerated were, um, were eyewitness were accounts. They were wrong. Yeah, eyewitnesses that were mistaken. Well, now that, that brings me to a question. Were the eyewitnesses mistaken, or were they essentially people that were testifying because they, I don't know, were on the side of the prosecutor and wanted to send someone to a prison cell? I can't. What's the psychology behind that? I mean, if you saw a crime happen, and they put a man in front of you, and they say, well, was this the man who committed the crime? Why would you say yes if you weren't sure that that was the case? 
Is it just because you believe that this could be the guy and he looks sort of like the man that you saw and so, well, it's close enough, go for it? What's the psychology of an eyewitness? Why did they do... Uh, why do they do what they do when they aren't indeed sure? Are they not sure, or are they sure and just not remembering uh, remembering correctly? Well, um, there's another issue that comes into play, and uh, it's that uh, identification is even more unreliable if race is a factor. According to email, um, an oh email from Alice Leeds of the Innocence Project, two-thirds of the 200 people exonerated through DNA are African-American. Most of the wrongful convictions that were overturned by DNA rapes in the majority of the cases, more than 60% involve black men who were misidentified by white rape victims. Mm. Um, I, you know, it's just, it's not reliable. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't, that we shouldn't be using eyewitness accounts in convictions. I think that that should be taken into account, um, you know, expert testimony and all that stuff. But you don't get expert testimony if you're poor. You understand? You have to hire it. You have to pay for it. And this is the reason I'm against the death penalty. I do not feel badly at all for people that murder being put to death. But I do feel really, really terrible about the over 100 people that have been um, let go from death row so far. Right, those are the ones we know about. Yes. Right. And uh, we want to hear from you at 800-259-9231. Have you changed your mind on the death penalty? If so, why? And if not, why are you still a supporter? This is Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up what you want, toll free at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com, where all the features are completely free. And though we do ask that you uh, voluntarily support the show, because we give you all the features on the site for free. Now, compare that to those other radio talk show hosts that want to charge you for access to their archives and that sort of thing. We do it all for free. So we're asking you, just asking, that you send us three bucks a month if you like what we're doing on Free Talk Live. You want to get the show on more radio stations, you want to help spread the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide as possible, then head over to amp.freetalklive.com and become a Free Talk Live amplifier, as have done over, I think, around 370 of our listeners. For three bucks a month. Now you're thinking to yourself, three dollars a month, that's not a lot of money, and it's not, which is why that's all we're asking for. Because if a bunch of people send us three dollars a month, then it all adds up, and we can do quite a bit with that. We can buy ads in Talkers Magazine, reach out to more radio stations, and spread freedom. So uh, if that sounds valuable to you and you want some perks, head over to amp.freetalklive.com. The details are there. That's amp, uh, amp.freetalklive.com. Let's go to the phones. And to the fun. It's Gary in Grand Rapids listening on WTKG. Hello, Gary. Thank you. Hi. Hi. What's on your mind? Um, I'm kind of wondering why you actually really have a secondary concept regarding reality. What do you mean by that? Um, you don't think that uh, life is actually really going to be a good thing without the Muslims? I'm sorry. Can you rephrase that? I'm sorry, uh, Muslims is going to be a life with us? Are you speaking no, English? Wait. Muslims is going to be a life with us? I, I'm going to give you one more Muslims. chance to get the question Muslims, out. Muslims. You know, those people that are going to kill us? I, have, you, have you been threatened by any Muslims? Uh, we have. Who's we? Who's we? Uh, the Twin Towers. 
No, I don't think th- I don't think I'm included in the Twin Towers, and I don't think Muslims in general have threatened the Twin Towers, nor have Muslims in general threatened anyone here in America. There are certainly some uh, some radical uh, people around the world that are more than willing to use violence on others, but um, to to paint one entire religion with a broad br- a brush like that seems awfully bigoted, sir. And, and Timothy McVeigh was was Episcopalian. Do you feel threatened by Episcopalians? Why would I be threatened by? Timothy McVeigh blew up a big building. No, he was an idiot, just like those persons that actually really did the Vermont thing. Vermont thing? The terrorist thing at the school. Oh, okay. Um, now, I understand. So the the white guy is an idiot, but the Muslims no, 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 are trying no, to kill us. Now you're going to turn into a racist I, thing? I, I, I'm asking you. You're the one who's no, talking. I, I'm, I'm phrased not it as a question. No, I'm turning into a racist thing. I'm turning into, it's a religious thing, and you're not comprehending. Well, let's what call I'm it an ethnocentric about. thing, because there's a lot of people Ask? in the Middle East no. that aren't Muslim. No, 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 no. You can't even use that word only because ethnocentric. Pardon my dentures, but the whole thing is that that's a racist thing. Okay, well, it's a cultural thing. That's really the difference. It's not about cultural, skin color. Cultural, and what is your definition of cultural? Um, I, I, um, I'm sorry. Uh, relating to the culture? Asian, <laughs> what, Egypt. What is your point, sir? Are you somebody My who's... point is that you're basically just blowing everything out of proportion only because you want to basically call the French the French... And you want to call the Egypt the Egypt, and they are. What the are hell are you talking about? We're they blowing things out of proportion. The, uh, We're not the ones getting no. on the air uh, accusing an entire religion of being violent. That's blowing something out of proportion, sir. And you don't believe that that religion of Muslimism is violent? Muslim? No, hold on. Not? Uh, now, is this? I, I've got a question. Um, let's yeah. let's say we can handle this problem with Muslims because we have the capability of handling it. We could take oh, all the Muslims we? in the United States of America and we could lock them up in camps, and we could take um, nuclear weapons, tactical nukes, and we could blow them all up the, in the Middle East. Do you want to do that? I have a problem with the legal aliens. That's my purpose. Why don't you hold call. on a second? We'll get to the uh, the alien thing in a moment. Can you answer Mark's question first? Do you think that's what, a good solution Mark? or a bad one? What? Do you think that we should take all the Muslims... I don't live on that side of the world. Why would I want to actually be concerned with their craziness? Okay, um, I don't know. We I are mean, the best. You, you, you used the terminology like we before, and I guess we, the United we. States, are we. in, are the, in the Middle States East, are and the best. we are messing you're, around with you're their lives. us down. You are hilarious, by the way. I'd just like to say, we <laughs> well, are not the United sir, States. And you're out of reality. Yeah, okie dokie. Thanks for the Thank call. Thank you very much. 800-259-9230. I think you've been kicking a few back tonight. I don't know. I, well, he's probably nervous for being on the radio. I, I don't know. But he was completely incoherent at the beginning of that call. I love the first he, question. He wasn't even making sense. Muslims, you bombs us. Yeah. <laughs> this is who you've got on your side. If you're a nationalist, if you're one of these people that is uh, in, in favor of nation building and initiating wars around the world, this is one of the guys that's on your side. Just like to point that out. Well, uh, Dick Cheney's not going to call in and, and no. defend the position. Uh, oh my gosh, where do you go with this? I mean, uh, he was so all over the map. Muslims are are bad. What? <laughs> we 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 talked to somebody. I think it was last week. Triddle called in from Washington to point out that he had spoken with um, one of his friends who lives in Egypt. And uh, they, he basically went through Islam and went through some of the points that, look, th- just because George Bush and just because Rush Limbaugh say things about one particular group of people doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. 
These aren't violent people. Muslims aren't violent people. No, no more than Christians are violent people. There are certain Christians that are willing to use violence on others, and there are certain Muslims that are willing to use violence on others. Well, I, they're on. violent people, I don't know and I, that's the issue. I don't know if I entirely agree or disagree. Um, some cultures are more violent than other cultures, and that's a fact. But um, what I would tell you is we can't fix the problem with Muslims over there by going over there with weapons and trying to stop them from being violent. That's true. That doesn't and the more the harder you squeeze, the more sand is going to fall through your fingers. The fact is, we go over there. We have created we have created terrorists in our war in Iraq. You're using we now. I didn't create any terrorists. The United States of America has created terrorists okay. in its war in the execution of its war in Iraq. How? How would you become a terrorist? You kill well, my friends and family. Right. You kill my mom, you kill my dad, you know, my sister gets raped, whatever. You know, I blame, I got nothing left to live for. I blame the United States of America for my family being killed. I might as well be a terrorist. So, I go find some people that are involved in this. Suddenly I am one. Look, 600,000 people have died over there in that war in Iraq. Now, I'm not saying all of our military has killed 600,000 people. I'm certainly not saying that. But I can see how people would blame the United States for the death of their families. It makes perfectly good sense to me. So I say we get out of Iraq immediately, issue an apology, get out, and come on home. As a matter of fact, let's get Mark, out you of... can't run away. You can't... We started it. We've got to finish it. Wait a second. Let's get out of all 131 U.N. member states. And are we finished in Okinawa? Mark, you got to understand, these countries want us there. Which, which country? The 131, they all want us there. Well, the, the country government certainly w does want us there. But That's what about right. the people? Of, aren't the, isn't they want our us country, there. No, no. Our country's a, a government by the people for the people. So it's every person in the country is the government. Isn't that so in other countries? And therefore, how come some people want us out? Well, some of them want us there. I understand. If Some only one percent of us of them want us there, we should be there. That, that's a good thing, right? You know, the whole reason that we got bombed—we had uh, not bombed, but we had airplanes flown into our buildings—is because we're in the Middle East. It's the whole reason. That's what Osama bin Laden said. Look, King Fahd, who's now passed away, um, was supported by the United States of America. We've got pictures with our leaders with him. Look, he's a king. He's a tyrannical leader. We fought a revolution against a king. We don't have any business as a country supporting a king. That is wrong. And those people can't kick that king out. Why? Because there's a big gorilla named the United States backing him up. So what do you do? You attack the gorilla, and that's what they did. Well, you know, you got to do you got to do these things. You got to make uh, agreements with some of the bad, less bad guys, so you can go after the big bad guys. Why? Saddam Hussein. He's a he's Hitler. Why, uh, uh, Hitler. Hold on. Um, Terrorists. <laughs> what does Saddam Hussein, who we 11 who we put in power, have to do? I mean, what do we have Muslims. to do with him? Islam. I know. I know. That's it's that's scary, isn't it? Name dropping garbage that I hear. Look, we'll be just fine if we pull all our troops back in the United States and use the Department of Defense. For defending ourselves. You, you hate our military, don't you? I love our military. That's why I don't want them to die on foreign soil. Hmm. You hate the military. I can smell it in your voice. I don't. I like the military. I want them to survive. Yeah, I mean, that's what's so, isn't that what supporting the troops really should be all about, is, is bringing them home so they can, you know, live their lives and not have to go and face imminent death by... IED, improvised explosive device, or random uh, firefights, people blowing themselves up. Really? 
Is that what you want your brothers and sisters and friends and family member over over there doing? And besides, then there's the whole other issue of the fact that I just don't want to pay for it. You can you know call her. You can call in. Um, and say we all you want to, but I'm not included in your we, and I don't appreciate being included in your way, we. If you want to gather together some money and go over and fight whatever religion you want to fight or whatever group of people you want to fight against, that should be your business. You go and do that, and then the consequences are going to come back on you, not me. I'm not interested. Hour number three is coming up. You take control. Bring up what you want. 800-259-9231. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. Bring up what you want, toll free. At 800-259-9231, it is the live Saturday edition. Anna Dean here with you. And Mark. That, by the way, is the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free. Once again, that's freetalklive.com. Now then, uh, sort of moving on here uh, to a story about a dog. Dog that was shot. Nope, not by a cop this time. I oh. know that's what you were thinking. That's what I was thinking. It, it seems to it seems to be a common practice in uh, these uh, no knock raids. I do have a cop shooting a dog story if you do want to get to that. But um, oh, this is a this is just a regular person shooting a dog uh, from InsideBayArea.com, the San Mateo County Times. A homegrown controversy over the shooting of a dog on a man's property in defense of his farm animals last month has escalated into an ugly bout of name calling, hurt feelings. And even death threats. Residents are divided over whether uh, George Mutef, a financial consultant who keeps horses, ewes, and lambs in his fenced-in backyard, was justified in shooting to death a neighbor's Boston Terrier that he says broke into his field and attacked his animals on April 4th. A Boston Terrier? Yes. You know how big these things are? They're pretty small. Yeah, it's a pretty small animal. Regardless of anyone's moral judgment... There's sort of miniature ones and there's bigger ones. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, some of them are like small bulldogs. And others are like really tiny little bulldogs. So you're saying that because it was small, it shouldn't have been shot? Is that what you're saying? Well, it, I, one would wonder uh, how much trouble it could give the horse. Regardless of anyone's moral judgments about the event, the fact is that Mutef acted legally, say officials. Quote, he had every right to shoot the dog. Mm. It's tragic and awful, but everyone who owns livestock is entitled to do what he did, said the spokesperson for not the police, but the Humane Society, believe it or not. San Mateo County Deputy District Attorney agreed, citing the section of the State Food and Agriculture Code that gives people the right to protect their livestock from dogs. The exemption applies regardless of how a property owner's land is zoned or whether it's located in a busy residential area. The attorney's office declined to uh, prosecute the case, and that finding has not stopped dozens of locals from posting strongly worded comments on two coastline online message boards, ranging from blaming the man for what some call animal abuse to reproaches directed at the dog's owners for letting the animal roam free. The issue also has raised concerns about the safety of using a gun so close to other homes in a residential neighborhood. Mutef's property lies next to... Hold on, it's a residential neighborhood? He has horses? Here's the deal. Mutef's property lies next to Ocean Colony, an upscale subdivision west of Highway wherever. Well, uh, hold on. I I suspect that uh, Mutef's property was uh, there in a horse farm long before Ocean View came into existence. (laughs) I suspect somebody bought a horse farm out there and decided, hey, let's cut this up and put a bunch of, you know, mansions on postage stamps out here. Of course. And then none of the farmers should be able to use their guns. 
West of Highway 1, a border is on a golf course near the Ritz-Carlton Hotel, even. Uh, Mutef's backfield faces a walking path also used by golf carts. Several Ocean Colony residents were expected to make their voices heard. At a Half Moon Bay City Council meeting on Tuesday night, the president of the board of directors of the Homeowners Association sent a letter to the mayor expressing concern, alarm, and uneasiness about the shooting. Quote, the shot could have missed its mark and seriously injured or caused a human fatality. It could have, but... Um, well, that would presume that there were humans all around in order to be standing in the range of the man as he were to be firing. And, and it also presumes that he would actually shoot a gun in the general direction of a human being. Or a house or anything like that. I mean, this isn't right. taking into account what direction he was facing at all. Who knows? Pretty sure that if you've got a Boston Terrier attacking the legs of your uh, farm animals, which is what was going on, you'll find that out here in a moment. But if you've got a, uh, a Boston Terrier attacking your animals... You're going to be shooting downwards yeah. towards the ground, and therefore any bullets, they're going to fall, they're going to fly into the ground. Ricochet off a cow pie, go right into somebody's house. Yeah, not very likely. No. It seems like they're overreacting just a smidgen here. They just don't like guns. Apparently. Mutef, who mounted an unsuccessful bid for city council, said he and his wife have been living a nightmare since he shot the 11-pound dog, which squeezed under the fence. 11-pound dog. <laughs> squeezed Come under on. The f- My mom schnauzer, sugar butt, she's 16 pounds. Yeah. You know how little that dog it's is. It's a little dog. 11 pounds. That doesn't is, mean it's not dangerous. This is a teacup Boston Terrier. No. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't think he could give this, the, the spindliest lamb any trouble. It squoze under the fence that the pens, uh, pens the sheep and the ewes in Mutep's backyard and started barking and snapping at the animal's legs. With a twenty two caliber handgun, he shot it. A second dog that escaped from the same home stood barking outside the enclosure. See, that dog, he was smart. He knew it was, he knew it was up. He just figured he'd bark instead of actually go in and attack things. Well, I think the guy should have the right to shoot um, an animal uh, on his property. And I think he acted with uh, an undue... Uh, unless... This little animal does this all the time, and he's talked to the owners on uh, a couple of occasions or something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there might be some extenuating circumstances, but it seems to me that shooting an 11-pound Boston Terrier for attacking your horses is, uh, you know, too much force. You think? I think so, yeah. It, it does. It seems that way, but at what? how many pounds does it become okay? I don't know. What if it was somebody's kid instead? Well, and chasing around horses and ewes and stuff. Yeah, but the, this dog was attacking the animals. Well, that's what the kid would be doing, chasing it around. Hold on. The the dog was attacking, but could it do any damage as an 11-pound Boston Terrier? It couldn't, and neither could somebody's kid in all likelihood. Well, and, and so now, the, the dog was chasing the animals around. This dog was pretty uh, pretty obsessed. Mutef's wife tried throwing rocks and sticks at the terrier, but it cornered two ewes and wouldn't back off. Now, so they tried to get rid of the dog through other means first. They didn't pull out the weapon right away. And uh, one you apparently tried to jump over the fence to escape and therefore injured herself, mm. claims Mutef. The dog was on her. He was biting her. He was attacking her, he said. Sheep were scattered all over the field. They were panicked with their tongues hanging out. So obviously this was causing quite a commotion. It was causing the sheep to try to get out of there and jump the fence and injure themselves. These are val- This is valuable property that was under attack by this Boston Terrier. I mean, is the guy crippled? Could he not go out there with a, uh, a stick and Maybe swat the dog? Maybe he is. Uh, said, she tried throwing rocks and sticks at the dog. That didn't do anything. Mutex said the dog injured his sheep, a charge that the Humane Society wasn't able to con- confirm since the officer wasn't asked to photograph or examine the animals. Quote, it's terrible, and I'm sorry about that, but they should have had their dog on a leash. It was either that dog or my sheep, 
said Mutef. Well, I think that that's somewhat melodramatic, but I do agree that if you don't want your dog shot by somebody who's somewhat melodramatic, you better keep it on a leash. That's a good point. Uh, he says, I did nothing wrong and I'm being persecuted, who said that he'd received death threats. Well, people over feel this. very, very strongly about dogs. I mean, dogs have That's become... not appropriate. I, I don't care how strongly you feel about oh, I'm dogs. Not you don't a, threaten someone's life. I'm not life. saying it's a thro- uh, appropriate, but I do think that it, uh, it, it's un- it is uh, expected. The dog's owner also feels like a victim of public opinion these days, saying, We lost a dog and we don't need to be bashed anymore about how the gardener let the dogs out. Our sweet and gentle, gentle animal was ruthlessly killed. Neighbors are very angry that Mr. Mutef pulled out a gun and fired it within feet of our backyards. Oh, who cares, lady? He didn't shoot it at your house. He didn't shoot at your kids. He shot a dog that was attacking his animals. As far as I'm concerned, I, I might agree with you, Mark, that it, it may have been a little excessive, but fact is, that dog was attacking his animals. and he, I mean, just like a snake, nobody would have complained if this man had shot a snake that was attacking his animals in the backyard. It just happened to be a Boston Terrier. Half Moon Bay City laws prevent discharge of a firearm within city limits. Uh, it takes time for one... Uh, it takes that... One time for your dog to chase a squirrel or run into traffic. Don't chance it. We pick up dead dogs every day. One of the uh, experts says, keep your dogs on a leash and close to the house. Yeah. Do you feel like this was an overreaction? If if this man, let's presume he he is crippled to an extent. Uh, he sounds like an older gentleman. I don't know if they give his, his age in here. They don't. Um, but he sounds like an older gentleman. He's got a farm. He's got animals. And they're under attack. What do you do in that particular case? You mean you you, you can go and kick the dog. You can go and and yeah. hit and hit the dog. Yeah. What if it keeps coming? Well, I, at some point it's going to give up. It's an eleven pound dog. Yeah. I, I really think that me. I don't know. I mean, I, I I certainly I know I couldn't could have handled the situation. Um, I don't know if this guy's some uh, doddering old man who can't uh, do anything. But then again, why does he have sheep, lambs, horses? Um, you know, all this on his land. If he if can't, he's that old, yeah. right? If he can't handle them. Um, I, but I, now, if you kicked the dog, if you kicked an 11-pound dog, now if you kick a 60-pound dog, eh, they're going to maybe run away. But if you kick an 11-pound dog, you could break some bones, you could break some ribs, you could hurt that dog. Well, so, you would, you would uh, temper your kick to some extent. Would, um, would, would injuring the dog be worse it than might killing very the well dog? Be. It, I think it could be. That could really upset some people. That could be a lawsuit, like for you know paying the damages or something like that. Who knows how it would have turned out in that case? But I, I don't know, know if the, you, the laws on that. But if it you think like it was, if he was protected there, he would be protected in both cases. Do you think it was excessive? Is what I want to know. Is eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one your show? You bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You bring up what you want. The live Saturday edition toll-free number, 800-259-9231. The Cycle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, completely free. That includes the live streams. There's a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version, both free for you at freetalklive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 1-800-544-6359. That's 800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. To the phones and to Japan, we talked to Brandon. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, sir. Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, what's on your mind? 
Hey, not too much. I'd love to call and be able to uh, to side with Mark here and say that killing the dog was a little excessive, but you know what? I just can't. You and can't. here's why. No, I just, sorry, Mark. Can't, can't right. do it with you today, buddy. Um <laughs> uh, so, I mean, and, and so I have a question for you, Mark, is if you, uh, you, you go to your backyard and you happen to see somebody you don't know, uh, you don't know what he's doing, he's kind of hunched over maybe by a window, what are you going to do? Um, I'd probably arm myself and shout at him. Like, hey, what are you doing over there? Yeah, something like that. Brandon dropped. Oh, man. Ah, uh, well, it's Japan. It's... Darned international connections. I want him to, I, hopefully he'll call back on that, because yeah. I want to know where he was going. Yeah, I, I'm really curious. That was very, uh, very interesting. We'll get, uh, we'll get back to Brandon, hopefully, here in a little bit, but uh, in the meantime, uh, your thoughts at 800-259-9231. A disturbing essay has gotten a student arrested. Now, we were talking last hour about police overreacting to freedom of speech. Uh, we talked last hour about a man who was arrested for protesting outside of an army recruiting office with wires hanging from his fingers, imitating one of the famous photos from Abu Ghraib prison. And they arrested him and just threw some silly charges at him about hoax device. These are fel- I say silly, they're felonies. Uh, hoax device and placing a bomb or whatever. And it was just crap. I mean, it was just them harassing this man because he wanted to speak out against the war. Hopefully and, he takes it to trial. You know, the general theme there being that the government is trying to suppress freedom of speech. And they're overreacting to things that aren't even close to real threats. Mm-hmm. And here's another example. This one from the Sun-Times, Chicago. A Cary Grove High School senior was being tutored off campus Wednesday following his arrest for writing what officials called an alarming essay that allegedly referred to a shooting, but it didn't contain any specific threats. Alan Lee, who's 18, has been charged with disorderly conduct stemming from an essay that was part of a free writing assignment in a creative writing class. Now, this isn't the only student writing story that we've seen recently. There are another kid. There have been a few other kids recently, especially after the the Virginia Tech shooting, mm-hmm. that have be, have come under suspicion, have been arrested for just writing things down on paper. In many cases, as part of class assignments. So the teacher was apparently alarmed by the violence that he described, according to the chief of police. The essay contained no specific threats, but was, quote, disturbing and inappropriate. So that means that he should be arrested and charged with a crime because his writing was disturbing to some people? Here's what I don't understand, though. Uh, School is supposed to prepare you for the real world. One would assume the creative writing is supposed to prepare you then for a career, possibly, um, you know, Tempt you dabble dabble in the the possibility of a career in creative writing. Okay. Um. Don't most novels include violence? Uh, I think some of the best selling novels are certainly violent novels. Yes. I, I mean, I, I would certainly most of them. Uh, most novels include, especially like Agatha Christie. Does somebody want to throw Agatha Christie in jail? Somebody's dead in every single one of hers, right from the get go. Yeah. I mean, there's. I mean, there there are books where lots of people die. I, I, you know, um, whereas some of the uh, worse uh, horror, some of the the more grotesque horror, I'm not interested in reading it, but I I don't think that it's a... uh, No one's going to arrest Stephen King. Right. Well, I don't know if he has the most grotesque horror, but... There are certainly enough people that die in his books. Yeah, well... And there's violence. Anyway, uh, Lee's father says that I think that they've been a little too harsh. Um, He said that he declined to comment further except to say that every story has two sides. The paper allegedly made a vague reference to a fictional school shooting, but didn't specify a school or a district... 
according to law enforcement sources. The charges come less than two weeks after the Virginia Tech shooting. In Lee's case, quote, we filed what we thought was the appropriate charge, says the bureaucrat. We need to be very vigilant today when we're uh, dealing with school settings. Disorderly conduct can be filed if someone's actions alarm or disturb another enough to, quote, provoke a breach of the peace. So far, we're supportive of the charge, says the state's attorney. Really, this is just amazing to me that this is going on in America, the so-called land of the free, where we have the First Amendment right to freedom of speech. This kid wrote an essay, he wrote a little short story for his English class, the teacher thought it was a little bit too violent, so she apparently was disturbed. That's her business. She can be disturbed if she wants to. She can give him a bad grade if she wants to. But to call the police in when there was clearly nothing actually in the document that was a specific threat? It was just a violent story? That's a breach of the peace? Sounds, what are you talking about? Sounds like going overboard to me. That's like saying that because I'm offended by something, it's breached my peace. That's essentially like, that's the path towards saying that you can't offend people anymore in America, right? Which means that you can't say anything at that point. Because, Mark, I'm at peace right now, but sometimes when I drive down uh, on the road, uh, I see bumper stickers that offend me, and that breaches my peace. Those people should be arrested. Take those stickers off of those cars. I mean, I'm, I'm offended every time I see a uh, New York Yankees uh, emblem anywhere. I hate it. That's a disturbing of the peace, Mark. Mm-hmm. If you are driving around in Red Sox territory with a New York Yankees sticker on, you're disturbing the peace. I mean, how far can you go with this? You can go to the point of insanity, and I believe we're already there. Well, hold we're on. arresting I'm, kids for I'm writing dis- violent essays. disturbed and offended by what the cops did. What do you mean? I'm disturbed and offended by what they did by, by arresting, arresting the kid. Yeah, now what? What do you mean, now what? what? Now we should arrest the cops for arresting the kid because I'm disturbed Ooh, and offended. I see what you mean. Your peace has been disturbed. Yes. Yeah, but that won't work, though. Who's going to arrest the cops, right? Ah, that's the problem. Who watches Who's the watching watchers? the watchers? Right. Gosh darn. Lee's writing instructor. I they w- there are moral superiors. By the way, his writing instructor, who is a first-year teacher, became so concerned when reading the essay that she called the English department chair, who then called the principal at home. Police were alerted, and Lee was arrested Tuesday morning. By Wednesday, he was in an off-campus placement with a tutor. Quote, while we assess just how extensively we need to be concerned, he said. Spokesman for the uh, ACLU of Illinois said that without knowing all the details, you have to wonder whether the charges were an overreaction given the events at Virginia Tech. Gee, you think? Think they were an overreaction? I want to hear from you. 800-259-9231. Got another story about another student being harassed, this time for creating his own video game. We'll get to that. First, your calls about what's on your mind. Let's go to Earl in Washington listening to K- uh, KUSA. Hello, Earl. Good afternoon. Hello. What's hey, on your mind? I'd like to, well, I'd like to address the dog-chasing livestock. Yes, ah. the, the 11-pound terrier that was shot and killed by, uh, by a man, uh, a farmer. Okay. In Washington State, if there is a dog chasing your livestock on your property, it is within the law for you to shoot the dog. All other suppositions don't mean a thing. Absolutely, and I'm totally with you on that. If you'll hang on, I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. So I want to know if you feel like, even though it's within the law, do you still feel like it was a little bit excessive? I think it was the okay, it was an okay thing to do myself, but I want to hear from you. Uh, hang on, 800-259-9231, and Brandon's back from Japan. We'll get to him, too. It's Free Talk Live. 
With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live's live Saturday show. You can bring up what you want. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231, and that is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got the bulletin board system, bbs.freetalklive.com. Get you straight to it. Over 225,000 posts, over 1,400 people interacting. Lots to talk about. Serious issues, fun stuff. You'll find it all, and it's all for free, bbs.freetalklive.com. And wouldn't it be great to have an ex-narcotics officer be your personal coach to keep you from getting busted with marijuana? Go to nevergetbusted.com to view clips of the recently released DVD that has gained world attention, and I would say critical acclaim as well. Nevergetbusted.com. As we go back to Earl in the Yakima area, listening to KUSA. Earl, you're back on Free Talk Live. Now, you'd pointed out a moment ago, we started the hour by talking about a man that uh, defended his farm animals by shooting a 11-pound Boston Terrier and thereby killing it. And uh, you're pointing out that according to the law in the state where you live, that's a completely legal thing to do. But but beyond the fact that it's legal, do you feel like he was a little bit excessive with uh, with his force in that case? Absolutely not. Well, do you think... No that- way... Did you think the 11-pound dog was going to do something to the sheep? The 11-pound the, the dog can run the sheep till they die. I suppose they could. Now, how much does it cost to replace a sheep? It costs, it costs sheep, more than the dog's worth to that guy, and I feel like if that dog was going to damage those sheep, that he had the right the sheep, to shoot it. Now, is uh, the sheep pregnant? Does the sheep have twins? Uh, is the sheep nursing twins? Now, uh, if he could get close enough to shoot a dog with a twenty-two handgun... Do you think that he could get close enough to swat it with a broom, hit it with a stick? Well, it? I will say this about that. You walk down the street, and when the neighbor's dog comes out to bark at you, you run after it and see if you can kick it. <laughs> well, at that point, I would hopefully run it, um, keep it away from the sheep. Oh. Well, it, the, the point is that you shouldn't have to do that. I, I agree. The and law I s- was written... I support this man. Ago. I support this man for shooting the dog. You know, the dog was on his property, threatening his animals, and that was the 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 way he felt was appropriate to to end the situation. I mean, if he hadn't done, if he hadn't shot that dog, then it you know the, there were sheep trying to jump over barbed wire fences, hurting themselves. And so I think it was the right thing to do. Earl, thanks well, for the call. I... We appreciate hearing from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's go back to Brandon in Japan. Now, Brandon, you had started painting a picture for us, but people are always just tuning in. So let's start over again. You're you're going to address this dog issue, and I think you'd started by suggesting. Well, you were asking Mark what he would do if he went outside and discovered that there was a man lurking by one of his home windows. Correct. Right. Absolutely. <clears throat> so. And Mark said he would yeah, yell the at the man. Is, and and arm myself. Yell at the man. Right. 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 He prob okay. He probably so you'd yell at the man, and you maybe maybe you wave your arms in a big wavy mat in wavy fashion, trying to make yourself bigger than you really appear, um, and you know you say something to the effect like you got about two seconds to get off my property. Mm-hmm. Well, the man kind of looks at you, gives you a very quizzical look on his face, like he doesn't understand what you're doing, and just goes back to looking at your window. I would suggest that at that point you'd probably shoot him with your Mossberg, like you said many times. No, I don't know. Why would you do that? He's not. He's not using force on you. He's not actually. He's not threatening you with with violence. 
Well, you don't know because he might be trying to break into the house. I mean, if he's if he's looking what? at your window and he's on, he's obviously on your property. My point is, is that if you if there's something on your property, you are supposedly the sovereign of your property. So if you have a sign that says, "Stay off my property, or you will be shot," you Seems have like that fair right warning. to do that because that is right because that is your property. What if he's uh, blind though? What if he couldn't? What if he couldn't read the sign? I, I live awfully close to the uh, Canadian border. What if he only speaks French? Well, at that point, it's you know that's it's a little gray area, but it's still it's still your property, and you don't know. You well, don't know. I mean, if you if they're if they're tapping on your windows or they're looking inside, I would agree you with you. You said you got about that um, that what we're deal that what you're um, I would agree with you that you have a right to protect your property, and I agree that this guy has the right to keep his sheep from getting run by a dog. Um, but mm-hmm. I say in this circumstance, it was overreaction. I say in the circumstance you out, um, la- laid out, it's, it would also be overreaction. Yeah, you, you have to, if somebody's yeah. on your property and they aren't directly threatening you in any way and they aren't actually harming your property, you, you should go through as many steps as you can possibly take to, uh, to get that person off of your property use it without using force. And if you are Call going to, mm-hmm. and if you are going to use force, then it should only be a, a certain amount. It should not Im- immediately, I don't think, be deadly force. It should be whatever force it takes Warning to shots. get that person off of your property. So, okay, sure, and that's and that's that is reasonable. And you'd have, you know, you could you could fire a warning shot, and but, chances are that uh, that he'd run off the property. But what if he doesn't? See, that's so. We're, what we're still talking about, though, is that these situations are still kind of analogous because this this owner tried to throw rocks at the dog. It tried to shoo the dog away, and the dog still, despite many of these, you know, very physical warnings that I think, you know, just about anything can understand because, you know, most animals are run off. Um, it still continued to press its case. Well, I mean, it's, analogy, it's a dog. It's supposed to run sheep. You know, I mean, that, from, his, from the dog's point of view, that's its little job. I mean, basically, in this, this scenario that you're describing, you're, you're dealing with either a man who can't hear or like a retarded man that can't comprehend a, a gun in someone's hand. Uh, so in in that particular case, I don't know if I would f- really feel too threatened by him. If I mean, unless he right. was actually and advancing on me with a you know a, a spiked club in his hands, uh, looking like he was going to attack me, uh, I don't think that I don't think that deadly force would be appropriate in that case at all. I mean, do a, you know call your, okay, your protection company? Right. Okay. And that's and that's reasonable. And and my example might have been a little too broadly generalized, and I can I can concede that. Um, but again, my, my underlying point is, is that if it's your property, you should have the right to defend your property and however you see fit. And so whatever is reasonable really should, you know, really should be ultimately up to you. If ah, it's but, it's, but I, just, I disagree with that. Whatever is reasonable when you're dealing with someone else's life should be what, um, for instance, if you took this man's life, this theoretical man, by the window, and he wasn't actually threatening you, then that man and his family are going to be able to take action against you because what you did was unreasonable. You you killed somebody right. okay. for no reason whatsoever beyond the fact that you were scared and uh, and you just shot someone. So if if you came into my arbitration court with that particular case, I'd absolutely find in favor of the family of that man that was shot. Okay, and that's and you know and that's. That would, like you said, that would depend on the arbitration, and you know, but and that would also determine on what is it that makes me feel threatened. If there's a person, you know, with a glass cutter trying to cut into my window, you know, at that point, would I be would I be justified in shooting that person who's making an obvious attempt to break into my property? Well, if they don't if they don't seem to be armed, I think that I'd make a big exaggerated, um, you know, cocking noise with my Mossberg. 
Yeah, and and then also, you know, call in your protection company and have them handle the situation if you if you can. Uh, you know, if they continue to advance even after being threatened, even after being warned, then I think that you've you know you've got a case. Uh, but try your damnedest to not involve deadly force if you don't have to. Brandon, your final thoughts? Okay. Yeah, my final thought is is maybe you can talk about this after I hang up. Is that in the article it made a mention about a law within the city making it illegal to discharge a firearm within mm-hmm. city limits? So my question is, what the heck is the point of having a gun if it's illegal for you to fire it? There might be exceptions in uh, self-defense cases. I don't know. I haven't read the law, nor do I really care. And to. how the heck does the city get off violating the Second Amendment like that? Well, they do it all over the place. Well, I mean, how do they how do they get away with it? Apparently, it does get them off. Uh, thank you for the call, Brandon. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. Brandon suggested, and I don't agree with it, he suggested that it's reasonable to use violence to get people off of your property, to use deadly violence. And I don't think that that's the case. I don't think that's reasonable at all. And then you're getting into a very sticky area where what's reasonable to one man may not be reasonable to another, may not be reasonable to another. So one man may think that it's reasonable to just shoot anybody who steps onto their property, whether or not they're threatening them. Mm -hmm. I I don't find that to be reasonable at all. Do you? No. 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 I mean, you can't. I don't think most people would. I don't think think anybody would uh, think that it's it's fair or reasonable to shoot some child that came to pick flowers off of your front lawn. So the question is, what does the market think is reasonable? And I would think that most people in a marketplace would not find actions like that reasonable. Therefore, arbitration courts looking to satisfy the marketplace would find in favor of the the victim, would find in favor of the person who was shot. Unless, of course, that person was threatening you, unless that person was doing harm to your property, in which case then you have a case. But it's never reasonable to shoot someone if your life isn't in danger, ever. 800-259-9231. Your thoughts on whatever you want to talk about. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. And Mark. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. We've just got a few moments remaining, but just enough time for your call if you make it now. At 800-259-9231, you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy all those features completely free. Those other radio talk shows want to charge you for their sites. We do ours free at freetalklive.com. And I might suggest we've got more content for free than those other guys charge for. I would say that's true. See it for yourself at freetalklive.com and help support the show on a voluntary basis by shopping at our store, buying yourself some really cool Free Talk Live garb. We've got brand new items that are on sale right now. They are on pre-order only at the moment, including our uh, brand new Free Talk Live multi-gadget, 2-gigabyte MP3 player, FM tuner. I wish I could have put an AM tuner in there. I would have if I could have, but there just wasn't an option. Uh, it was a, uh, However, it is 2-gigabyte um, MP3 also flash drive, also voice recorder. All this all in one little device. And it's got the Free Talk Live logo on it, so it's extra cool. And it's less than 60 bucks. You can't beat that price anywhere. Uh, plus, we've got clothes. We've got brand new clothes like the Free Talk Live ladies t-shirt. We've got the Free Marketeer t-shirt. We've got two different styles of hoodies. We've got the Free Talk Live brand new beanie cap and a very un- unusual item, but apparently it's selling fairly well, the Free Talk Live lighter bottle opener combo. All there at store.freetalklive.com. Let's go to Bill in Indianapolis listening on WXNT. Hey, Bill, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, um... Um, poor Brandon, if he lived in my town, he'd be in jail for murder. <laughs> well, I suspect uh, in, in that particular scenario that he was talking about, he'd be in, in jail for murder for most in most towns. Yeah, I think so. Okay. 
I didn't know exactly how it works, you know, throughout the country. But um, in, in here, you're not allowed to do anything but protect your own life. And even if somebody's breaking into your house or apartment, um, they've got to actually go through the door. They can't just be in the process of breaking the door down. Because if they had somebody here that shot through the door, hmm. killed the guy, nope, that's that's a no-no. You have to wait till they come through the door. Hmm. Wow, that's that's interesting. I mean, wh- why does that make a difference? I don't know. If you kill them in the hallway, you got to pull the body in. Or if you kill them outside, yeah, yeah. Of course, then again, there's probably going to be a little bit of blood out there, so someone might notice that you pulled the body in. I don't know how I, I, I don't know how well that actually works out in reality. It's kind of fun to suggest it, you know, kill the guy it's outside. It's a joke, yeah, but they, they, you know, they can they can probably figure it out anyway because the blood blood will be out there and somehow yeah. you know the the DNA and all that they'll they'll know what you did. There's no way around that. Better but. off uh, better off just putting the body in the trunk and then dumping it somewhere. How about <laughs> <Good> that? <Lord. laughs> that's even that's, it's probably even worse, but. Well, you know, maybe I you're better also. off waiting until he comes inside. Yeah, there you go. That's it. Wait until he comes inside. That's, that's what you've got to do, really. Very good. Was that all you had for us? Yeah, that, well, also, I would say, yeah, I agree with – unfortunately, I, you know, I, I like dogs, but, you know, you've you got to shoot the dog. In that case, I can understand it. I mean, you know, they had a killer case, too, where um, a dog attacks a child, you know. Well, you, you just can't let the dog you know, hurt or kill the, the child. You know, you got to – Humans come first. It. Humans and your property comes first, as far as I'm That's concerned. That's right. Especially, when, hey, especially when being attacked by an 11-pound Boston Terrier. I hate those things. Thanks for the what? call. I love Boston Terriers. You know, what if the guy had an attack butterfly, you know, and it was flitting, <laughs> flitting around the sheep? My God, it was, it was flitting around my sheep, so I had to shoot it. I mean, it was an 11-pound You can't hit a dog. butterfly. Come on. I, I, I've shot dragonflies with BB guns before. Let's go to Steve in Wisconsin. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Steve, you're on the air. What's up? Oh, the thing about reasonable circumstances, as we are talking about with the terror, now, say, for example, if I come home and there's a guy doing the wild monkey dance with my wife, now, would it be acceptable for me just to let it happen, kick him out of the house? Oh, some people might, you know, unfortunately kill them. Others might, you know, find reasonable to, you know, just cut his dick off or might have a place with his wife. Um, first of all, I mean, if you find someone having sex with your wife, wouldn't the issue really be with your wife? And your marriage? Yeah. I mean, well, I'm not suggesting violence at all. I don't think that's He was invited response. on the property in that particular circumstance? Yeah. He was there. He might By not one even of the property owners. There's there's a chance that in that case he wouldn't he might not have even known she was married. I mean, there's there is that chance. Um, you know, I would say the issue would be with your wife and you should have a talking with her. What should you do in that particular case? I would say walk out of the room or or, you know, make a scene, but yeah, I don't think Take you have pictures. The, I don't think you have the right to get violent at all. Do you? I think something should happen, but as far as that, you know, who knows? It's, you know, some people will act differently in that situation. Well, but, here's where you're going to get your vindication, is when you hit family court, you're going to be a lot better off with photos or um, proof of what happened. Than um, a dead it, body? Yeah, I mean, you know, you're going to go to jail if you shoot the guy, whereas if you have uh, some kind of evidence, or at the very least a confession, that she was, you know, fooling around on you. The, the divorce is going to go a lot better for you as far as the crap you get. Yeah, I like that idea. Grab the camera instead of the weapon. That's a good idea. Steve? Well, then they can argue that you're uh, shooting a porno. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. They, they could, but that would require the state to file those charges. The, uh, the individual couldn't do that. 
But thank you for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. 800 It's true. In most states, it's illegal to shoot pornography. California is one of the few exceptions. Yeah. That's why it's all made out there. So I, I'm pretty sure that wouldn't happen to you, though. Let's continue. It seems let's, unlikely. Let's talk to George in Pennsylvania. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, George. Hello. I was wondering if you uh, heard about the thought crimes bills that were that had passed the House of Representatives and is uh, before the Senate. No. no. Uh, is this a national um, bill that you're referring to? It's a hate crimes bill, but it's uh, uh, the way it's worded is uh, any. Uh, uh, it, it goes back to the U.S. Code. Any offense that has an element of the use, attempted use, or threatened use of physical force, uh, uh, shooting the neighbor's dog can be uh, construed to be that. This is going to be anything that the thought police think that you shouldn't be doing. Your your show's really in jeopardy. But it's, well, uh, our, show's been in, our show's been in jeopardy for a long time, and you know I don't really it's, care. Uh, Senate Bill 1105, and it's, um, uh, the, it's already passed the House. And uh, Now, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Now, I don't hate anybody. I, like, I don't hate people. I guess I hate racists. I guess I hate, and I hate the government, too. But So I could, I could get in trouble under this bill? Um, if, if you uh, think of anything that might harm anybody, yeah. It, uh, and uh, just, you know, uh, the neighbor's dog biting your sheep so it's okay to shoot them. Well, you know, that's, that's proposed violence. And, uh, you know, it's... it's Hard to tell where the lawyers are going to go. go I don't. Go I don't it. really know much about the bill. Now, wait. Is this something that's going to make it so violent crimes can also be labeled hate crimes, or will it be creating thought crimes specifically that they can charge you with? So even if you aren't violent first, can they say, "Well, you hated that person, so therefore you're being charged with a crime"? Threatened use of physical force. If you say anything that that somebody could perceive that you know wasn't right, and that there's enough wiggle room in there, they can probably bring in to anything that uh, um, might have anything perceived uh, race, color, origin, national origin, gender, sexual orientation, gender identity, or disability of the victim. And you say you say this this passed the House already? Yes, it did. Wow, this is news to me. I'm shocked that uh, that we have not heard about this yet. And and thank you for bringing that to my uh, to our attention. We'll do our best to uh, to continue to follow it. It sounds like bad news to me. I mean, we've pointed out before, and, and George, thanks for the call. As we pointed out, if you commit a crime, it doesn't matter to me if you hated the person or not. Right. It doesn't matter to me if you're uh, bigoted or racist or you hate them for being, um, you know, another sexual orientation. Whatever it is that you do, is um, that should be punished, and it should be punished severely. Right. You've harmed somebody. That's the issue. It doesn't matter if they're black, white, yellow, um, female or male or whatever, child or old person. They have had their lives disrupted. They've been harmed. Their friends, their family members have been harmed. That's the issue. That's what needs to be made right. Um, The hate, that's a side issue. Speaking of shooting dogs, uh, we'll get to the story about the uh, the Chinese student who made a, uh, a video game level and got in trouble for it. I think got arrested for it. But we'll get to that hopefully Monday night. In this, in the meantime, a Garfield Heights patrol officer from Cleveland.com was justified in shooting and wounding a dog during a call on Sunday. The shooting happened at about 6.30 in the evening. The officer, whom the bureaucrat declined to identify, was sent to the house after a, a complaint about a youth throwing water balloons at passing cars from a second-story porch. The officer spotted the, uh, the youth, who ran toward the back of the house. When the officer followed, a large dog on a chain lunged at him. 
The but officer drew his. Gotta 40- be a little scary. The officer drew his forty-five uh, and fired one shot. Murphy didn't know where the dog was wounded, and the police report doesn't even specify a breed. City rescuers took the animal to an emergency room. It is in, it is expected to survive. In many cases, where uh, cops shoot dogs, they don't survive. They shoot and kill the dogs in many cases shooting them more than once but do you feel like this was uh, was an appropriate response i don't i'm not against that one really i'm not the dog was on a chain i understand what you're saying um what what the guy probably saw was holy crap there's a big dog coming at me i don't know if that chain's attached to anything i am going to shoot it before i get hurt you know what mark i bet you wouldn't say the same thing if it was the next door neighbor that did it or if it was just some random stranger that went back there and shot that dog. You're giving him a pass because he's a cop, aren't you? Well, where Was he in public area? He was on the side of someone's private property. Well, and he know, killed. He, he almost was chasing a lawbreaker, dog. my child. Yeah, well, that's it's not an excuse for killing someone's family dog when it was clearly on a chain. If a dog lunges at you, you back off. Anyway, we'll see you Monday night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.